Alright, we are back for our second week in a row of being consistent with our podcast. Hooray for that. Happy Father's Day, Tom. Happy Father's Day to all the fathers out there. Um, I don't actually have any real children of my own except for these guys on Twitter that love to be in my mentions. Um, I'm sure they have something planned for me tonight, and I'll enjoy that. So happy Father's Day, guys. Thank you for listening. Um, We had three top-ranked cards this past weekend. Or actually, not this past weekend. So used to saying it's weekend. We're not used to having these weekday fights. We had two cards on the weekdays. We had one last night, Saturday. So across these three cards, we had, what, almost, what, 16 fights between the three cards. Did you guys enjoy the fights? So, Tom, I'm going to start with you based off of what you watch. And and look, if you guys didn't watch all the fights, understandable. Some of these fights are definitely um, missable. But overall, from what you saw this week, Tom, did you enjoy the fights? No, I I really didn't at all. And I, I, I'm I don't just want to be negative, but you know, I I didn't enjoy them and here's why, and then I'll give kind of my takeaway, which is it just felt like low quality performances. I mean, even besides the matchmaking, you know, I'm reminded of when you see a guy like Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. show up and he's like not in shape, he's not sharp. It just kind of felt like that. It looked like, you know, all the fights just felt like two guys who really weren't ready to be in the ring, weren't sharp. And, you know, in boxing, every fight matters. And, you know, I hate when people try to say, oh, you know, we shouldn't punish losses and everything. You know, there are stakes to a box, box, to every boxing match. And that's why it's interesting. And, you know, fighters health, uh, f- the fight of health or uh, the health of fighters is at stake in every fight. You know, this is not something that should be done casually. Tom's been off for a while. You can tell this dude's rusty. Yeah. yeah. I mean, just, it it just felt like such a compromised version of the sport. Um, You know, I mean, again, just even besides the bad matchmaking, which is the number one topic, um, just felt sloppy. I, I really had a hard time getting into it. You know, it's just, it's not what I enjoy about the sport. What about you, Fred? Uh, they had a good opening fight, I think, on the first uh, night they were back. It was a 10-round fight, I think. Uh, I like that one. DeMarco fight you're talking about, I believe? Yeah, yeah, DeMarco fight was good. But then, like, uh, they, yeah, they haven't been that really entertaining. You know, they're all right, but not very good, <laughs> I guess. You know, I guess if you want to see boxing back, it's okay, but... Uh... Yeah, this is, this is, like, it's pretty much who gives a shit about a lot of these fights. Like, the format's weird. You know, like they were opening up with a 10 round fight, then doing four round fights. It's like, why are there four round fights on a network broadcast? It just it made no sense. I don't, I don't get it. So and I made this point on one of the Patreon podcasts, so I'm sorry if I'm repeating a point, but I'll pose it as a question this time. Do you think that your lack of enjoyment specifically for you, Tom, because I think, Fred, you can kind of roll with it, even if it's not exactly what you're expecting. But the expectation that you're seeing a fight that's on ESPN, which is, as Fred pointed out, network broadcast. Um, ESPN is synonymous with Fox. It's the worldwide leader in sports. It's synonymous with HBO and Showtime in terms of this is the, a, a particular level of broadcast that we're used to, which is world title fights. Um, if not, you know, the best fighting the best, which obviously doesn't quite happen as often as we all would like. But we do see high caliber fights on ESPN typically and that's really not what we're getting we're getting showcases and um 
I, I, I hesitate to even say prospects because these are guys who are still so green, so new to the sport that it's hard to tell exactly if they're prospects, um, at least notable, etc. So do you think that possibly your expectation of expecting a certain level of fight is clouding your enjoyment of the fights that you're actually seeing? Yeah, I mean, it's a good question, but it's a complicated answer. I mean, you know, I, I think it's I definitely don't agree with the premise that ESPN has had consistently good quality fights since the top rank deal started. But, but you know? are they better than this? Uh, are, they, are they significantly worse you know, than anybody else? These are significantly worse than no, 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 I'm talking other pre, people for sure. Pre ESPN top rank summer series, you know, ESPN of 2019. Oh, I think was it they significantly worse were than Showtime or to, Fox or or? Yeah, I think they were. I mean, look, let me let me answer it this way. I'll, I'll you know, uh, ESPN had a number of uh, a few high quality broadcasts, sort of tentpole broadcasts, like the. Uh, Vostick versus Better BF fight. You know, they made a beautiful they, fight. They talked about that and bragged about that for like three months that, you know, this was a big deal. They really tried to get everyone who supports top rank on Twitter, all the writers and all the fans, you know, anyone who supports top rank, they're really trying to, you know, that there should be support, that this is a great fight. It's being put on ESPN. In practice, it ended up being pretty terrible, but on paper, at least, it was probably their best ESPN broadcast of the year. That and the the Crawford one at the end of the year. I'll, I'll come back to that. But, you know, generally speaking, like last summer, I went to a Josh Greer Shakur Stevenson card in New Jersey. And, you know, that was, I guess, both of them were on the same card. So in that sense, it was better. But they were against two similar quality opponents to what we saw uh, in the past few weeks. I mean, it was Shakur Stevenson against a no-hope opponent, and it was Josh Greer against an opponent who was not very good, <laughs> and he struggled in that fight and got, you know, more or less a gift decision in this 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 fight. He struggled but actually lost the decision. And, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, that's why I really emphasized, you know, the, the poor quality of just the fights and the preparation even beyond, you know, it's like the fighters aren't having to hit their weight limit. Like they're they're fighting in these sort of these catch weights or these, you know, uh, plus one or two pounds to the weight limit. I mean, they just, again, don't feel sharp, don't feel like it doesn't feel like high quality professional boxing in that way. I mean, it, it feels like gym fights. You know, I, the last thing I'll say before I throw it back to one of you guys, like a few years ago, uh, Sean Porter, I believe this was when uh, Keith Thurman had to delay their um, their fight the first time when he got in a car accident. Sean Porter said, basically, you know, I put in the work. I did the training camp. I'm going to do a simulated fight. And he, he they broadcast a 12-round sparring match on Facebook Live. And, you know, again, it wasn't really a real fight. They did it in the gym. But it's like these fights feel almost lower quality than that. You know, it's like it's not with a, a real audience. And it feels like something which would almost that's be a sparring match, a lot, a lot of these noise. fights. Um, you know, that's really the level. The matchmaking, it, it's not, it, you know, again, it really, when you look at it, is not that much worse than what they're normally doing. Uh, it is unusual that it's on ESPN in primetime on a weekday and they're doing this because normally a lot of this stuff you would see on like the prelim cards on ESPN Plus. But beyond that, that, you know, that, that really actually, you know, it's pretty damning to say this, but that part of it isn't that much worse than what we're using. Outside of a few, you know, things like the uh, the Zamfer <laughs> cards, but I don't know if we can blame Top Rank for all of that. That seems to be more of Zamfer's part of it. 
hey, they had their name on the on the ropes, so they get a little bit of of, of the credit for that. Um, what do you think, Fred? What do you think about what Tom said? You have a response? Oh well, no, I had no expectations, and they failed to meet those. So that's how I felt about a lot of these fights. Like, it's just, uh, I think it's because the attitude is still there. Like from a lot of the broadcast team that, you know, these are important things. And and then they'll go on about calling out people who we know have fights lined up. So if you're if you're going to put on uh, trash... Oh, yeah, I definitely and, have a and, response to that. Well, Jesus, Tom, settle down. <laughs> yeah, if you're going to put light, on trash... We need a little Tom could just light up instead of just interrupt. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's it. It's, it's like uh, they got the same mad too, and they're putting on trash fights and calling other people. It's like... It, it, you, you you can go with one of one or the other. If you're gonna put up with this attitude that oh we can't get these fights, we can't get this and all that bullshit, then you've got to put on better fights. Or you can just say hey it is what it is. We're trying to make things work, trying to you know get guys work out there. Black go with that, you know. And then maybe you give them a pass on that. But yeah, a lot of this shit is a lot of those fights are just bad, you know. Like those heavyweight fights, you're just like oh god, you're terrible and blah blah. blah. Like some are okay, but most of them it's just like nah. It, it it's it's bad quality. It's a low quality, even for what they've been uh, putting on prior. Um, I think the criticisms that you just laid out are really fair, but in my opinion, in watching these broadcasts, and and I should say, you know, just to answer the original question, am I enjoying it? I wasn't at first. I will be completely honest. I did not enjoy it at first. I was left confused. I was left wondering, why on earth, who greenlit this? But once I, I, I tempered my, or scaled back my expectations, and I, I'm not going to sit here and kill them for not doing a, a, a bunch of world title fights and all this stuff. When I factor in that guys can't or aren't fighting at their normal weight classes because this isn't enough time, I, I can enjoy the, them a bit more for what they are. And what this is, is these are basically club shows. Um, there, it's the bare minimum. They're working with what they got, which appears to be very little. And based off of that, they're getting, they're, they're pulling through. And th some of the fights are fun. Granted, I'll give you some of these fights are terrible. And, but that's every boxing card. I mean, I, I sat at cards where I was there for the first fight and I was there till the last one. And I can tell you that maybe half of the fights wound up being actually entertaining and the rest were just kind of ho-hum. Some were just downright boring. <laughs> Um, you know, that's kind of how it goes. But I, I think the, the one thing you pointed out, which was really um, interesting, is you pointed out the way that they're portraying them. So that's more of a production co uh, conversation, how they're portraying them, how they're saying, like, you know, all this stuff matters and talking about future fights between uh, fighters that aren't going to fight each other for one reason or, or the other. Those I don't need to go into because you as a boxing fan, you know why fights don't happen. And... The thing is, I believe that they're trying to do a lot of different things in the comment or in terms of their commentary and production, and they're just really failing on a bunch of different fronts. I mean, they're trying to say that they're trying to tell you on the broadcast, you know, don't hold this, don't hold us to us, you know, people can't make weight, this is three weeks' notice, etc., etc. There's not a real gym here, blah blah blah. All those excuses for why the fights are what they are. And they're also trying to say that, you know, we have the pound-for-pound pound best fighters and blah, blah, blah. And Shakur Stevenson is an ex-Floyd Mayweather. You know, it all goes on. The point is, 
they're caught between a bunch of different, they're being pulled in a bunch of different directions and it winds up coming off really bad because we're getting a taste of everything and we'll wind up walking away with the same broadcast that we're used to. And by the way, I do want to say the broadcast themselves in terms of the technology production, all of it is very well done. I will say shout out to them. They they were able to put it together in a pretty short amount of time and they pulled it off without a hitch. You know, positive test, blah, blah, blah. People missing weights, injury, all that stuff is happening to them. And I'm not going to kill them for that because that's part of, that's just part of what it is to put on fights. You know, the UFC's dealt with that too. There's no way around it. But in terms of them pulling it off, I give them credit. I am enjoying the fights uh, now that I've temp- or scaled back the expectations that I have. Um, but I do acknowledge what you said about these broadcasts. And they're not great. And it's mostly because they're trying to do a lot of different things. Um, and it's not quite working. The, the I guess the, the message is not consistent. But anyway, Tom, you wanted to tag in. So here you go. Yeah, I just Fred touched on something I really wanted to talk about, which is, you know, it it falls under like, why is top rank doing this? And, you know, something that we I mean, we on this podcast really hate about top ranks broadcast style on ESPN compared to the PBC, just compare and contrast quickly. And then to talk about what they're doing currently is like the PBC broadcasts are really all about the fights. You know, they have you know much less time in between fights um that's something you saw the evolution over the course of the pbc during their time by phase and as they went to fox it's really it's all about putting the fights on and they have you know a little bit of talk in between but it's really just let's get from one fight to another and if we have an early knockout let's put a swing bout on you know espn broadcasts so much talking and you know a lot of that is um caa talking heads that need to be serviced but a lot of that also is Bob Arum's philosophy and has always been his philosophy for top rank that it's all about messaging. You know, they want to have a captive audience. It's like their version of Fox news. And then they can say whatever bullshit reality they want, you know, Fox news, OANN, whatever you want to say, you know, and then talk about, you know, like, you know, there was a boxing scene headline where Bob Arum was saying that Terrence Crawford is the star that Manny Pacquiao needs to fight, you know, Meanwhile, Terrence Crawford's pay-per-view last year did 125,000 buys. That's a number straight from Bob Arum. His show at the end of the year on ESPN did pretty marginal ratings. It wasn't close to the top-rated card of the year when you compare it to PBC on Fox cards, which is pretty embarrassing for Crawford. You know, it's like they get to present their own version of reality in those broadcasts. And it's, you know, it's a thing of like, to what end though is it really working are you really seeing this method of just presenting a fake reality on those broadcasts really helping i mean you're seeing terrible ratings and you're not really seeing a lift from that you know you're not really seeing that help their fighters in my opinion um so just just to just to 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 recap again why i'm saying that it's like why is top rank putting these broadcasts on like pbc hasn't come back yet top rank seems to feel and i get this from looking at the various uh top rank talking heads that there is great value to them um getting to speak into a vacuum you know and get their talking points out they're the only ones making news making real news outside of you know not talking about fake stories that the atlantic is making up about canelo fighting triple g in the fall or things like that you know they're the only ones who are making news he has an issue with that but go on 
yeah, but anyway, <laughs> um, you know, they're the only ones making actual news so they can present whatever version of reality they want. I think my point is like, again, that hasn't really seemed to really help them, but that's something that we know top rank likes to do. And they're definitely doing in this situation. Anyway, uh, one of you guys. Well, we're going to get a little bit into that in just a bit. So why don't we hold off on fully um, going after that? But in the meantime, I'm sure you'll have some questions that you want to throw to us. But I, I have part of like kind of that put into some other questions um, because you did raise a very, very interesting point. But let's just talk about the fights real quick and then we'll go back to that. Um, wanted to ask you guys about Mike Plania. He's the guy who upset Joshua Greer. What would you guys think of this guy? Fred? <laughs> I don't know. He's a solid fighter, I guess. But I didn't have anything special. You know, that's, I said that about Greer before. Like, Greer's all right, but he obviously had a lot of flaws. And they just kept pushing him in, uh, in the wrong direction. You know, and so he lost. It was going to happen. Like Tom said, he almost lost last time. Because they're, they're trying to push him to, I don't know. Like, he shouldn't be headlining cards. He's a guy that you just throw in for fun. And you got to match him right. And they didn't. And it made no sense to me. And I think uh, that was a Sean Gibbons fighter, wasn't it, or something? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so, you know, he probably uh, enjoyed that one a lot. You know, the thing about Greer is I don't know how they got it so wrong with him. Everything when they brought him in suggested that Greer was not going to be some elite fighter. Um, not even the type of fighter like an Emmanuel Navarrete, where if you just match him right, he's just going to steamroll guys. Greer never seemed that way. He never seemed interesting in the ring in terms of like you weren't going to get wars from him. And the the whole night-night thing was, in my opinion, one of the worst, the absolute worst sort of gimmicks anyone has shown in boxing because the guy doesn't have any power. I don't know where that came from. He might have had one knockout over a guy who was completely undermatched, but it just seemed like a weird gimmick when like, you're not putting dudes to sleep, yet you bring a pillow and you talk about guys going night-night. So I, I, I thought, by the way, this card, I really liked the, 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 the angle they took for this card. The angle that they went with was the betting line and how it moves significantly, and they just leaned into it, and I thought that was fascinating. I think that if these things pop up, you have to jump on this as your angle to promote the fight because it adds a level of mystique because we obviously knew Greer was coming in. This is the dude with the quote-unquote name. At least he's the in-house fighter. He's the A-side. And Mike Plania is this dude coming in from the Philippines. We never heard of him before. He's already taken a loss in his career. Uh, it appears to be another situation. And then given the context of the fights that we had seen both previously in, in, in the, the week prior as well as the, the fights coming up on the on the docket, you realize, oh, top ranks out here just trying to get their guys some wins. And using this as a selling point for this fight, I thought made it really interesting. Uh, I, I think I heard of the betting line movement the day before. And um, could be that only one person just, it was like literally one person, because you, you got to imagine there wasn't a ton of action on this fight. But one person put a large bet and it swayed things like, huge i don't know but i thought it was a really good selling point i think this was something that they didn't intentionally do but it worked really well um you guys feel the same way about that yeah i'll back that up there yeah that was a good one that was a good pickup you know spin it a bit 
Yeah, yeah I mean, and... that was all I saw on Twitter, too. I mean, I, I feel like that was also a case of just kind of seeing, like, you know, that interest organically formed online. But, yeah, I don't have a lot to say about that. I mean, I, I don't criticize the, <laughs> you know, angle they took on the broadcast. Yeah, um, I, I really liked that. Then we had Gabe Flores, who was back, uh, wasn't supposed to be the main event. He was supposed to open up the card, but um, a member of Mikel LePierre's team tested positive. So that fight was put off. It's going to be rescheduled for July. So Gabe Flores went into the main event. He won a decision. Uh, what do you guys think about Gabe Flores? I, I would say that, and I, and I don't think that this is a crazy thing to say, but his stock must be going down. Uh he didn't look very good when he fought on the Wilder Fury 2 undercard. I mean, look, this guy's winning. He's obviously uh, a talented fighter. But to me, he's starting to... Sh like, I'm getting Oscar Valdez vibes. Which is to say, I loved Valdez. I thought he was interesting. Uh, I, I really wanted him to be good. And I feel the same way about Gabe Flores. And I loved to watch him. But I I'm getting the sense, like, uh, when he gets in there with somebody that's pretty good... Um, he's going to get beat and he's going to get himself into wars along the way. And that's, you know, good for TV, but not good for your career. If you're getting into wars consistently, uh, did you, do you guys have any different evaluation of Gabriel Flores? Um, I just think it's too early. I mean, I, I, and God, I mean, that, that's the thing where I feel like we fall into the trap of what top ranks trying to do with these cards. I mean, He's, you know, fighting a guy who is outside of the top 200 on BoxRx rankings. I, you know, again, I know those numbers are never perfect, but, you know, it just shows that that guy has, you know, the opponent, no significant wins, no significant opponents, not even like any fights where he had like gone the distance against significant opponents. You know, that that's 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 how you, you know, end up with a ranking that low. It just the, the fight result is basically meaningless. You know, he's far he, he fought a match against basically some guy who just trains in boxing gyms, you know, who, who really had nothing to offer. I mean, that that's a little bit unfair, but I mean, he was a guy from Honduras with a pretty big, you know, pretty much a built up record. You know, it, it just doesn't really mean anything. But Flores is only 20. So I I, I always give credit to guys who, who have done you know, anything in the sport by that age, they're just so ahead of the curve. He has so much room to improve, but I'm really just not going to give it any more credit than that because the quality of his opponents have been so bad. I mean, this is normally the type of fighter who's going to be fighting on untelevised undercards and kind of building up, you know, maybe a little bit of chatter that way, but you know, and, and again, I know he wasn't intended to be the headliner, but it's, you know, it, it, it illustrates these cards. I mean, this is just thing which would normally be on an untelevised prelim and it's a main event. And well, I don't know. It doesn't, PBC's doesn't putting anything. Vito Milnecki and Joey Spencer, two little teenagers, on their cards. Yeah. Well, again, and I, I, it's similar thing. I mean, it's they're learning on the job. Those results don't really mean very much, you know. I want. So I really want to fast forward five years from now, just to take a look at how this all pans out for the young guys who, because we're seeing a movement here where. Yeah, absolutely. We're seeing young guys get this platform at an early stage. And look, the TV time is there. What are you going to do with it? PBC has hours on Fox. They have hours on FS1. They have hours on Showtime. They even have hours on FS2. What are you going to do with all this time? Well, why not showcase a few of these teenagers? They may become little 
uh, well, I, I don't mean like little. Well, but it's it, it I'm might gonna, I'm gonna interrupt out. you already. It's it's the Canelo model, you know that that's exactly what it is. It's the Canelo model, you know. We saw for years HBO had one model for building stars that they wanted an Olympic gold medalist, ideally. You know, really, like even like Floyd, they made a big deal of saying, well, you know, he didn't win. You know, that that was always held against him when he was coming up that he wasn't a gold medalist. And Canelo was a different model. He was a guy who turned pro as a teenager, fought abysmal competition. If you look at, you know, his record, I mean, Canelo, people always give him credit for coming from Mexico and fighting his way up. And to some extent, that's true. But he, for the most part, fought horrendous opposition for the first like five years of his career and then started to build up. You know, he built this groundswell of support being this this young undefeated guy coming out of Mexico. And then he started to step it up after that. And that's the model all of these guys are doing. But you know, the problem I turn see a fighter that, pro the problem, super young, let them learn on the job and then try to step up the level of competition. Yeah, so anyway, you go. Here's the problem though. I don't know how it was for Canelo, but here we are ultra critical, and I'm speaking for all boxing fans. We are ultra critical very quickly of guys. And so my reservation about this is that a guy like Gabriel Flores, a guy like Vito Melnecki, will soon be inundated with criticism about the level of his opposition. And that five years that Canelo needed, and he certainly needed it because the fighter he's turned into is the best in the world. And he needed those five years. Because he didn't have a gold medal. He didn't have no amateur pedigree to fall back on. Will top rank have the patience and the balls that it would take to keep Gabriel Flores developing so that he can get to that point? Will PBC withstand all the criticism that they get? And they certainly do get a lot of criticism. Will they be able to say, we're going to take it? We will not budge on Melnecki. We know what we have here. We're going to follow a blueprint that we've seen work before. Or will they get rushed? And we've seen time and time again, young fighters get rushed because they appear to be passing tests and they wind up getting smoked and everything falls apart for them and they don't recover. Fred, you chime in on this topic. Uh, I think it, uh, I think it uh, all depends on who's managing them. You know, and who's picking their fights? Uh, like you say, there's a lot of time to fill. So why not start developing these guys? Because then you you put them in. Like I said, this is the same kind of role Josh Curry should have been. You know, you, you get a bit of a name of the guy, then you stick him as a support role. You know, and that's what you can do with Melnicki and Spencer and a lot of these other guys. You know, you, there's no rush. I don't think there'll be a rush for him. And then they'll 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 just gotta frame it right. You know, they're like, hey, we're just trying to give this guy a voice or like a thing you're trying to build up these new stars if they work out not but you can still get a lot of viewers because people they'll grow followings and like really the, the negative people have never really held back a uh, fighter's popularity you know it, it, it just doesn't it, it just gives them more publicity uh as far as gabriel flores uh you look at him he's already like he's already got a long streak of decision victories and when you're starting your career off and your power is already non-existent against guys who are like four and four and stuff, it's it's like, yeah, I don't think he's got. You know, Can I? He's five. I add a he's five there. What? Because I think you cannot be a sort of action fighter early on. In that situation, you have got to also have if you're going to not knock a bunch of guys out. So Greer is an example. He was like that. Um, but 
Yeah. The difference I mean, is not, a guy like not that good. <laughs> like Chris Colbert. Same thing. Well, he doesn't have a ton of knockouts. The difference is Colbert appears to be more of a defensive fighter. So you can project outward that, okay, well, he's not like he's not blowing these guys out, but they're also really not touching him. That will probably translate at the next level. But a guy who doesn't have a lot of power and is seemingly hittable early on in his career as he takes these guys to decision, that doesn't look very good when you project outward and see how they're going to do when they start to step it up. That's where you see that they're going to get into the ring with an Antonio DeMarco and get tagged for 10 rounds. Yeah, like, but, but like I said before, the guy's 5'9". He's fighting in, what, 130? 135? I think or is it was he 135. Is it? Yeah, 135. He's pretty big compared to the people who are in that division. And he's he's got no power. So I don't, you know, I'm just saying, like, where, if he's, if you're not taking these guys out who, like Tom says, are coming from Nicaragua, it's uh, yeah. When you step up, you're gonna get stomped. For the record, and that's all I see for. Yeah, I see what? the same thing with Milnicki that we're talking about right now. Uh, yeah. And, and but and another example of like, well, where like there's there, there's a line that you draw with these guys. Yeah, Melnicki's about seventeen years old. Well, true, but but <laughs> so follow me here. 20, follow me here. Still very young. Yeah. Gabriel no, Flores. Yeah, there, no, there's a big difference between seventeen. No, but and just 20. follow this. Anyway, follow this continue, through. Angela, Gabriel yeah. Flores and Melnicki. They're Remember not showing the that power, but fan club here. neither <laughs> is Shakur Stevenson. But what you can see from Shakur, very defensive. He knows what he's doing. You can you can assume that if he fought the best guys, that he's really not. Um, he, he's going to be able to navigate that fight without getting himself like, I don't know, what was the dude? I can't remember his name. Kaminsky, the guy who fought Clay Collard. Um, it's not going to be <laughs> one of those situations, is, is my yeah. point. But yeah, just but so thing, we're too. classifying the low power prospects. Yeah, but Milnicki's had five fights, and he's like just he's what now he turned eighteen. The guy's just coming out. Of, he's still in high school, you know. Gabriel Flores isn't. So it's like if Milnicki's still like decisioning guys on his eighteenth fight, and his last seven have been decisions. Well, you know he's going to end up in the same problem. But he, the guys, the kids only got five fights. So look at, a bit but of the difference, difference is Flores. Flores turned pro when he was seventeen, much like Melnecki, and he stopped what seven of his first eight opponents. Actually, that's probably that. not true. Oh no, he stopped six of his first five of his first six opponents. He doesn't. He only has six knockouts in his entire career. But he so he he stopped five of his first six opponents, and then the power just kind of disappeared. So I, I, I'm curious what that is. Maybe he made a change in terms of how he fights. I don't know. But it would be nice. I think Flores would be a very good fighter if that power were to develop. Because he does seem like he, he, he's got a little bit of everything. So I, I just uh, I so mean, it's clear, I, I'm I not just, putting him down. I just want to chime in. Look, he's only 20. Usually conventional wisdom is that fighters' power develops until they're about 26. Like, that's what is you know people always say man strength you know maybe i've listened to too many teddy atlas broadcasts but that 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 has always been the conventional wisdom i've understood so i i would i'm not going to write off his power i i still think he's a little too young that's why ryan garcia is gonna gonna knock all these guys out because you've seen these ko1s and it's still developing buddy fucking if he ever gets a fight hey man free ryan garcia it's very never mind i I really need to shut up because we I'm going to get sued or something. Um, did you guys agree with that decision in the Santion-DeMarco fight? 
if you guys if you did not watch it and judging by the ratings very few of you did watch it um <laughs> antonio demarco appeared to beat giovanni santiano who was this 27 and 0 prospect coming in there's there slightly high hopes for him and um demarco did not get the decision I personally thought DeMarco won the fight, but like I could see how they were going to give it to Santion. Um, I think Tim Tim Bradley and Andre Ward were both fully on board with DeMarco. I feel like they were a little too generous to DeMarco on the broadcast. I think they were just like, we love seeing the old guy uh, beat up the young guy. It seemed like, I don't know what you would call that in terms of like, a, I don't know, a trope or something, but they were like way team DeMarco. It, 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 if I thought it was excessive, you know, you could tell it was pretty bad. But anyway, um, DeMarco did not get the decision. What did you guys think of that decision? Uh, can I jump in? Yeah, go yeah, for it. Yeah, I, I thought, um, I definitely thought it was a DeMarco decision. Like, clear. I mean, it was only a 10-round fight, but I thought he won by, you know, I don't know, at least three rounds. I mean, I, I, I don't have, I didn't write down my score, but I was keeping track in my head when I was going through it. But, um, yeah, I thought it was a very clear decision. I mean, just in my mind, like, this is how a robbery happens and how a robbery is presented. Like, if a fighter wins 10 nothing, they win the decision. Wait, are you calling but this a robbery? I, I am calling this a robbery. Wow. I, I definitely. Wow. I would say to anyone, Ooh. watch the fight Let's again. Like, I don't one. think this was yeah. a close Floor fight, which yours, could have Tom. gone either way. Um, Look, I, 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 I'm not going to, and I would have to go back anyway if I were to, to break down every single round and say, here's why. But I'm no not going to get that granular about it. But yeah, look, I mean, I just thought it was very clear. I mean, the thing which killed me on the top rank broadcast, though, was in the second half of the fight, you know, DeMarco had a clear lead. They started playing a game that made it seem like it was closer than it was and that Santian was coming back. And, you know, on the broadcast, like, Tessator is like, Santillan's really coming on here. And it was while DeMarco was punching him in the face. You know, it was like DeMarco would be landing punches and Joe Tessator would talk about how Santillan was coming back. And to me, that's how a robbery happens and a robbery is portrayed. And, you know, that, that reminds me of Jim Lampley back in the day HBO, where he'd have a narrative in his mind that he was trying to pre present to the public. And frequently that would not be what was happening in the ring. And he would still be trying to push his narrative. And, you know, that's the thing. Again, it's not like it was a 10-0 DeMarco, but he definitely, to my eyes, won a clear decision. And again, the broadcast in the second half, they sort of distorted reality in a way where they could say afterwards, well, you know, close fight, you know, could have gone either way, but it's Santion's night. And it, it wasn't. It, To my eyes, it was not. It, it, it went far enough to DeMarco that he should have gotten the decision, no question. What do you think, Fred? I don't agree with this guy. <laughs> well, you could probably take them on then. Uh, I was at the bar, so I was like half watching. I, I like I said, I was I was leaning for Demarco, but it, I don't think it was the level of any robbery or anything. And like I said, I didn't have any the audio on, so I was just watching the fight half anyway. I mean, know. that is the best way to watch a fight and score. But yeah, I digress. Well, I don't know about the drinking part, but but that yeah, part, it, probably it, no. not. I thought it was a good. Although fight, you look so at some of these judges, maybe. Who knows? Uh, yeah, you never know. You never know. <laughs> so yeah, you, you can you could probably dive into me. It was like okay, I was leaning Demarco, but I didn't feel it was like a robbery style. But like again, I was half paying attention. So <clears throat> I think it's really hard in a fight where both guys take a bunch of punishment to really feel one way or the other. And this was one of those fights where Demarco did. I, I believe Demarco's success 
was very clear, pretty looking stuff. He would counter the hell out of Santillan. He would land these, you know, these very clean looking punches. Santillan went with the, I'm going to try to outwork this guy, at least in the second half of the fight, which would coincide with the top rank commentators really pointing out that Santillan was starting to come on. And I agree with that. He was starting to come on, but he wasn't, the, 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 the momentum of the fight never shifted. That's one thing I'll say. In terms of the momentum, it was still DeMarco's fight the whole way through in terms of who do you think is the better fighter here. However, that's not how fights are scored. And in terms of who landed the most punches and did the most damage over the course of a round, I feel like at, at a minimum, what was it, like eight, nine, or seven, eight, and nine, Santion was really taking it to DeMarco. And and not in the were you sense, watching the fight or just listening to Joe Tessitore? No, and, and I think not in the <laughs> sense that Demarco was about to be stopped or anything. It's just Santiago was just moving his arms. Sure, there was nothing on those punches, but like Demarco wasn't active enough in my mind watching that to, to believe that he was going to be convincing judges that yeah, my pretty work that I'm doing is going to give me the round. So when I took when I so when I score these fights, um, or at least when I was looking at it. I'm looking from the perspective of what are the judges going to see here. And so when I looked at it that way, I could totally see it both ways. Now, remember, I said I thought DeMarco won the fight, but not by enough for me to sit here and say that that was a robbery. I think Santion clearly won one of the first three. He probably won one more between uh, four, five, and six, and then seven, eight, nine, and ten. You can make the case for a few rounds going to Santion. Already, it's not hard to get to a draw in, in a in a 10-round fight. Now, I think one of the cards was really bad, but can I see Santion getting the decision? Yeah, I thought at m most a draw he probably deserved, but I don't know. The, the, the main takeaway here is that we know Santion, uh, I mean, we, he had never fought on ESPN, at least that I had known of, and it's clear that should he come back and they don't match him uh, even lower, than DeMarco, he is going to get beat. Yeah, I mean, uh, can I segue into another topic sure. here related to this? Uh -huh. So, I mean, something, you know, related to top rank coming back and like, was this a good idea or not? You know, and there, there are lots of different ways to look at that. But one of them is, you know, related to how their prospects have done. Because you see someone like Shakur Stevenson, and I'll, I'll still call him a prospect because he's never really fought a guy better than top 30 in any division. So, um you know, Damn, the you have on Joette Gonzalez and Christopher Diaz. Wow. Yeah, they were they were about, you know, 30 to 40 in their divisions, you know, um, not really better than that. But anyway, it's like the, the, the notion of what top rank is putting on is either some version of either in, just incredibly cheap fights where the outcome doesn't really matter or prospects who are matched so softly that they should win no matter what. So they're sort of just assuming no matter how much their training camp is compromised or whatever, they might be distracted by this bubble thing. They're going to win no matter what. And, you know, we can present them as a rising star because of that. You know, like Gabe Flores, they're doing that. They're trying to say how big of a superstar he's going to be. Shakur Stevenson, they're definitely doing that, saying he's, you know, the next Floyd Mayweather based on fighting someone outside of the top 100 in his division. Um you know, so, you know, but then so you have that side of it. But then you have the other side of it of like, look who already lost. You know, Josh Greer lost. Um, uh, the guy got beaten up by Clay Collard, I, uh, Kaminsky, right? Yeah, uh, David Kaminsky. 
And then you have this fight where Santillan, they were talking on the broadcast towards the end when it looked like he might have lost the decision while they were waiting for the decision, that this was someone who might have been set up as an opponent for Crawford, that they were trying to build him up in the <laughs> WBO rankings. And um, Bruce Trampler seemed to confirm that on Twitter, that, you know... So this is a guy who didn't lose, but was really kind of devalued in that position. Like we saw Mean Machine when he fought Ray Robinson, um, really deserved to lose that decision. And okay, they did the Crawford fight still, but, you know, it, it did no business, you know, as a result. So this is a thing where you have a guy really devalued by this fight, even if he didn't lose. So that, that, that again, just it gets back to the issue of like, should top rank have done this? What were the benefits and the, the negatives? I mean, it's like. They're probably making and, you know, they're breaking even they're paying their fight. These fighters absolutely nothing. So they're making a, a narrow profit margin. They're sort of controlling the boxing news cycle for whatever that's worth to, you know, a, a few thousand people on Twitter. Um, you know, they got a, a decent win out of Shakur Stevens, a pretty marginal win out of Gabe Flores and a bunch of their, their guys lost. So, you know. I don't know, in the column of was it worth doing this or not, you know, I, I really wonder how they're they're viewing that issue at top rank right now. Yeah, but top rank gets paid for these cards. It's not like uh, they got to negotiate with ESPN. They're, they're not contract. getting paid millions and millions of dollars. They're, they you know, can, they're, they're no, probably but... narrowly, you know, getting a profit over what they have to pay. the uh, No, I don't think that's how it works at all. I think they're getting paid a contracted amount. And then everything, as ESPN has said, it's all top rank. Top rank makes a decision on the fights. Top rank runs the fights. ESPN is just paying them to put on boxing. So this idea, that's, that's what's weird thing. Like, top rank is essentially operating like UFC. UFC's getting free reign. They're, they just put on dates ESPN's paying them. And top rank, I think, is in the same mold. So it brings up a weird thing where if, if that's the case, uh, top rank and sort of fiddle with how much money they can tell fighters is is uh, being off up you know up for grabs because like I said you know Max said it's a ninety million dollar contract so if you're on it's contract not. fee well then I didn't I didn't you're the dick who said no no Max is right so now you're gonna try to come back at me I said it was seventy five because that's what I read other places. You know. I don't. Even, well, I don't think that's what it is. Yeah, I you don't think it, that's you, true either. I, I think it was <laughs> but easy to see Fred, it before. Continue what you're saying, though. Just continue. Your, but something your... is up. So the point is, though, you're saying they have some contracted amount of money. So overall, if Top Rank is able to put on these super cheap cards and kind of get away with it, they're they're just pocketing the money. Yeah, that's how I feel. Like I said, they didn't come back, you know, to for the benefit of boxing. Like, what is Bob Arier giving a shit about the boxing? You know, come on, he's in it to make money. The thing is, uh, it's not like they're negotiating with ESPN on a per card event. No matter what the amount of this contract is between top rank, it's not like the the standard of like okay, you got a Showtime or HBO, and you pitch a fight to them. You know, and you go, okay, well, how much are you guys going to support us? And then, you know, they make up the money that way. It's like, it's old Top Rank's game, as far as I know. And it's far from what everyone else said. Top Rank's in charge of it, especially, you know, when ESPN's trying to duck some things. They would so say, no, it's I Top Rank. I want to rebut this when you're, when you're finished. Yeah, continue if you want. Go ahead. So. No, go ahead. Go fine. Rebut so, it. yeah, it, it sort of felt like you were waiting for a response. So, um, I, I actually disagree with that. I've seen you arguing this on Patreon and, and um, on the Discord and on Twitter. And 
I, I here's why I, I disagree as it relates to these cards, because something that we've seen, you know, a recurring theme over the last few years, and this is something also like Ludabella has talked about, and we've we've you know we've gotten little bits of insider information about, is that the days in cards, you know, this for Golden Boy and Matchroom, and on top rank, and you know, it seems to be some version of this with the PBC as well, is that these cards require some version of a title fight, which is frequently why you'll see someone like Navarette on a card, even if it's against a shitty opponent. Because that allows them to kind of do that as like, uh, you know, the title fight that carries the card. And uh, I, I believe the only two title fights that have been on any of these broadcasts out of, I think, Top Rank. Has Top Rank done five or six? What You know, whatever it is. Done was the Shakur, so Stevenson, Shakur Stevenson non-title fight. Yeah, that was not and title the, Yeah, non, he's a titleist in a non-title fight and Navarrete a titleist in a non-title fight. And there have been no titleists, let alone title fights, on any of the other broadcasts. So um, they've held to that. I, I can't go through every single fight and say that that's been the case with ESPN. But generally speaking, it has been on every level, even if they're shitty fights. Um, so I, I, I do think that these are uh, a lower um, license fee, you know. Whether that's built into their contract to begin with of like, you know, X amount based on a title fight, X amount not based on a title fight. But, you know, it's really hard to say how their contract is structured. It, you know, it could be a lump amount for the whole year. It could be, you know, this is the amount you get based on broadcasting this many cards and they need to be of this quality and they need to hit this rating level. Um, again, that that's why I think that these these aren't the, the normal license fee. Um, that we've expected to see from yeah, the cards th that have a titleist on them. Or I don't a title buy that at all. That. You know, that's what a lot of other people say. But where's the proof? You know, we had Sports Business yeah, Journal again, interviews about how the, exactly. But we had Sports Business Journal say, okay, this is how the contract works. You know, that's how they said, okay, the ESPN top rank contract works this way. And everyone's like, well, no, because they're coming back as a pandemic. Well, why the fuck would top rank negotiate a contract to their detriment? When has, when has they ever done that? You know, Bob Aram has well, never said, okay, I'll take less though. money. I'm, I'm presenting their side of why it would make sense. Yeah, but no, but everyone's making that up. No, present they're... their arguments to a captive audience. No, no. They, they are still making that. profit they want money. on these cards, but they are, de they are delivering a lower quality product. Oh, they're delivering a lower quality product, but they're not taking in any less money. That's my point. They're putting this well, on for money. I've they're putting this on to meet the terms of their contract. That, I yeah, know, but you there's no way, there's no so way that they're that they're not getting this paid is less exactly money. how UFC works. This is exactly UFC isn't getting any less money. I don't from think ESPN. so. Top rank. You just look at the product. They would do slightly better if they could get more. Well, look yeah, at UFC's it, product. It, UFC's put on trash. They're putting on the UFC, same trash. UFC if the managers has... knew that they were that they were still getting the same amount, they would be negotiating for much higher pay, and they're not. So I, I think they don't know because there's no there's no like I said, there's no way to say how much they're getting paid yeah. because top but, price getting paid by ESPN. They're not getting paid per fight. This is the last thing I'll say, because otherwise I'll just be repeating myself. But you talk about UFC and UFC in the last few years, there's been a shift on their pay-per-views all headlined by a title fight, even if it doesn't really make sense. That's why you've seen an emphasis saying, okay, of putting these interim titles and these fake ESPN, these fake titles. But that has titles nothing to do with how much they're getting paid. It's just a, it's just a, a weak catch that that okay, might be a so cause my point the contract. Is the, the, the point that 
the point is that top rank in a measurable way, in a measurable may, way, meaning one of the four major title belts, these cards are not hitting the limit that we've seen in the past. In the past, that has been the constraint. They need to at least get a title belt on these broadcasts, and they aren't mm. doing that, which is why I think that these are hitting a different level. So I, th- the, uh, I have nothing more to say about this. I think that they have a contracted agreement for what they get paid, but ESPN's not dumb. What they did was they put in stipulations so that top rank could get up to that. Just like we know that Eddie Hearn was given a billion dollars, but is the product you're seeing a billion dollar product? Is that the product of somebody who has a billion dollars to spend, even if they were going to pocket half the money? Is that even $500 million product? Absolutely not. And I think top rank is more concerned with fulfilling the, the, the bare minimum of this deal before it gets uh, terminated, which would be we have to fulfill 54 cards a year. Well, how can we do that? We can't, it, it would be, it, it's probably going to be much harder to make these fights where they're the, you know, the bigger fights, the higher profile fights. And it is, we're going to waste time putting all that together when we need to hit 54 and we're half of the year is basically gone. So what they're doing is they're just saying, well, let's just roll them out. Get anybody who we can, and let's just go two, three deep a week until so that we can hit that number because the for the the bigger deal is in danger if we take our time and drag our feet right now. Cause but even even before, like this is not a, a look at 2019. Was that ninety million dollars worth of boxing for 2019? I don't think so. Well, I one hundred percent believe it's not ninety million dollars. I mean, I just, I agree with I, it's that just, too. It's not even. But worth I, I mean, it's good for yeah. argument's sake. It's also really funny to hear people all of a sudden now arguing that no, 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 Top Rank isn't getting ninety million. When it's like, wait, weren't you arguing that they had a lot of money like before that? I don't know. I'm ready to move on. We're I think we're a little too in the weeds. Fred, here. you want to you want to get the final word here? No, you guys are all wrong. Okay. <laughs> I'm I'm fine to leave it on that <clears throat> note and move. On. I I just don't I I really don't think that they're still getting the same amount of money. I don't think ESPN's that dumb, and I don't think Top Rank's that smart. But what do I know? Uh, what'd you guys think of Emmanuel Navarrete last night? One twenty or was it was what was it contracted at? I know it wasn't at one twenty two. He definitely looked pretty soft. Um, the opponent wasn't very good at all. Uh, 13 and 13 with one draw, three straight losses heading into the fight. They're fighting at 127. I don't know, guys. Navarrete at featherweight, he at 127, he looked incredibly soft. And this gets back into the conversation, Tom, of <clears throat> getting back into these fights. They tried, they jumped in real soon. This did not give a lot of guys a lot of time to train, and apparently. Navarrete is one of the prime examples of that, where he looked very soft uh, heading into the ring, fought five pounds above where he normally does, where he holds his world title. And what we got was a pretty sloppy fight. We didn't get the world-class level fighter that we typically see from Navarrete. And not, not, not to say that Navarrete's like the best fighter in the world or anything, but this just was not what we've seen from him in the past. So this is another example of like top rank jumped in, very early and it begs the question of like was it too soon what do you think i mean yeah this is exactly the point that i had coming in you know which is like this this, these fighters are not training to their full 
potential, you know, professional level. I mean, it looks like sparring matches that would happen, you know, early in a training camp. I, I mean, just I, I'm not going to get into the specifics at all of this, but I mean, look, this was uh, an unsanctioned fight, not sanctioned in Mexico. I mean, this is Dana White's wet dream of the type of uh, sweatshop death matches he could hope to broadcast from his UFC facilities eventually. I, I, I mean, why on earth was this on ESPN primetime? I mean, you know, I, I'm going to go on a bit of a tangent here, but it's like there has been some debates about how good or bad these ratings are. And it's like, oh, yeah, no you know, debate, these have been, but go on. These have been some of I mean, the, the, the positive argument is that these have been some of the highest rated shows on ESPN in the weeks these have been broadcast. But they're also in prime time, the best time slots in ESPN during the week. Those slots Going are going to have the best by ratings. other live sports. Yeah, exactly. And it's doing only marginally better than the minimum baseline, which we can say would be like cornhole. You know, it's like the the minimum number ESPN is going to hit for anything that resembles a sport on ESPN. This is only doing marginally above that, you know, and what those numbers are, are terrible by any historical standing of boxing. You know, it's uh, at a low level time boxing. What, just want to say, yeah, that but, boxing. Obviously, well, I mean, I, showbox is much lower, but, saying, but but yeah, yeah. I was going to say, for, for compared to a bad like Showtime Championship boxing card with a fraction of the number of subscribers of ESPN, and even you know lower than that if you look at the average viewership on the network, which is really the real number you need to compare. Um, you know, I mean, these are just abysmal numbers. They're putting on you know bad boxing and getting bad ratings. You know, if there was any kind of potential for top rank to take advantage of these time slots to really showcase fighters and showcase the sport, they aren't doing that. I mean, you know, again, this might partly have to do with Zamfer. It might partly have to do with Navarrete being out of shape. But it's like, why are you having a guy you're trying to present as the top guy at 122 fighting at 127 against a 13, 13 and one fighter? Like, why are you broadcasting that? Like, this is just the definition of not ready for primetime as it relates to boxing. Uh, this is where I come to the conclusion that maybe there are incentives uh, that we don't know about for them just putting out content. But, I mean, I agree with you. These... I'm not going to give a long response, but I, I agree with you on that. I think there are other reasons behind this. You know, I, I've mentioned the thing about wanting to have, you know, get their, like, BS news stories out and have a captive audience, but... Yeah, I, I, I agree with I you. I mean, I don't like that point. Besides that, I think they have contractual motivations for doing this, that, you know, they're trying to hit some minimum number of shows or, or something else. Because, yeah, they, they're just, they're not doing it with the quality of these cards. And they're devaluing their brand. If they're trying to present the brand, that top rank boxing, which is what they're calling these shows, the same thing that they called Fosdick Paterviab, is the top of the sport of boxing. You know, this is not doing that. Uh, devaluing their brand. No, I mean, that is the question. Like, can can these cards hurt their, like, not just top rank, okay? Because at the end of the day, um, it may become very clear that these are going to hurt the top rank brand, but can it hurt boxing in general? What do you think, Fred? No. Boxing isn't some old, it's boxing is a sport of individuals. And this idea that certain things hurt boxing is just garbage, you know. No, people aren't watching Top Rank because they don't know these fighters. You know, they're not that big fans of what they're putting on. If, you know, PBC comes back, I believe at the end of July, 
and suddenly their ratings are like drastically lower, well, then, you know, maybe there's a problem. But I don't think there is. You know, I, I just don't think that, you know, uh, people just think top ranks trash quality as it has been going downhill for years. And they're not buying into it anymore. They're not buying into it on certain levels like Crawford's, you know, pay-per-view attempts. They're just people just aren't buying the top rank uh, line anymore. You know, the, the the number of people keep getting less and less and less that are buying into top ranks whole. Oh, we got the best guys. We got this. We got that. They don't have that control anymore of the sport anymore. Yeah, they they just don't. They got no Manny Pacquiao. They got no you know guys that can move up the welterweight, bring down to make you know compelling sales pitches. People just aren't buying. Well, they got they got a ton of young fighters that people don't really know. And they're not that enthused about it. Like, yeah, Shakur Stevenson, but, you know, he's not... He's, people, there isn't, like, a, the, the the swell of support for him. He's a good fighter, but that's it. It's a top-ranked problem, you know, and they can't sell some of these guys. So, you guys talked about, you guys alluded to Top Rank's commitment to the messaging and, and that whole thing. I, you know, I feel like... It really feels like we're in this state of history repeating itself. Now, I want to say this, like preface this by saying, I don't think top-ranked boxing is going anywhere. They have a seven-year deal. They have a deal that goes until 2025 with ESPN. So I'm not trying to, like, don't make any inferences about what I'm suggesting here. All I'm saying is it really does feel like top rank is falling into some of the, the pitfalls that HBO did. And one of the major ones that it appeared that HBO was interested in was appeasing the internet fans. Going for what is going to win the argument on Twitter versus just stick what you know. Re- remember that you're experts on this on this subject and just put on the fights that you know people are going to tune in and watch. That's not what we're seeing with Top Rank. And... and, and that seems to be what they're interested in, and that's partly what we see on the broadcast is these guys really out here trying to win this battle, and, and I think it's dumb. They don't need to, and it really messes with messes with the messaging and, and the way that they get these fighters over and their failure to do so. And Fred, 100% right. I am with you on the point that you made about how boxing is a sport about individuals. It 100% is. Um Fans tend, just look at the history of boxing ratings. Fans tune in for the guys that they like, okay? And you know what makes a fight even more appetizing? It's not that both guys are close in skill amongst the best in their division. That's not what makes people tune in, unfortunately. Better Biv and Vosdick didn't quite hit like that. But it's the fights with two names that you recognize that people will tune into. Compare and contrast Canelo versus Golovkin versus Ward versus Kovalev. You can't tell me. You cannot make a definitive argument that one fight is better than the other. That is a a losing argument. You cannot do that. But what you can do is argue that there is one fight featuring two far more popular fighters than the other fight. And it shows up in in the the pay-per-view buys. So... That's what's hurting them in these in these ratings. That first of all, the guys who are the A side of the headline, they're not very well known, and you have no but like the guy that they're fighting is nowhere close to having any sort of name recognition, even amongst the hardcore boxing fans. That is killing these guys. 
And that's why these ratings are so low and they're doing what we could really equate as now the, the baseline level of who would tune in to a fight on top rank boxing on ESPN. Cause I, I mean, I really don't think that they can get much lower than this. I think this is your guarantee. You're going to be, you're guaranteed 300,000 viewers, no matter who you play, you can have me versus Tom and we're going to pull on 300 on top rank uh, on ESPN. So I, I kind of feel like they rushed the return. We, we can kind of get that there's, an, there's a reason. And I think we all agree that if they were better fights specifically between guys who are both have some popularity that the ratings would probably go up. Yeah, I have a Fred, you can go first, but I have a thought on this. No, you go ahead. You probably got a bigger thought. So. Yeah, I mean, look, this is the thing, again, getting to the, the debate where some people are trying to argue, you know, really pathetic <laughs> people are trying to argue on Twitter that these are good ratings. Look, you know, the notion of when the boxing came back, was there going to be a boost? Was there going to be a captive audience who just couldn't wait to watch some boxing? And, you know, you've seen things like um, ESPN 249, I think it was, came back. And that didn't do a massive number, but you saw, like, lift. You know, that's what you're looking at. Is it doing better than what you would have expected otherwise? And it, it probably did. For the As far as, you know, I'm not an expert on MMA, but as far as I can tell for the level of card, it looks like it did get a bit of a boost. And NASCAR, since it's come back, has done good numbers, you know, better than you would expect. Golf has done good numbers, better than you would expect. Top rank numbers are in the shitter. I mean, they're doing a fraction of what uh, top rank on ESPN cards have done in the past. I mean, we had seen for a while, you know, around 700,000. You've had a lot, some cards which were lower than that, like the Joe Smith card from uh, a little bit ago was a low number. But, you know, generally speaking, you're seeing high, higher numbers than this. And so, you know, for ESPN, top rank boxing on ESPN, you're not only are you not seeing a boost, you're really seeing a decline, which is why, you know, there's so many ways you can look at the numbers and say, are they good or are they bad? I mean, they're good in the sense that ESPN has nothing else on, but in any other way you look at them besides that, they're terrible. I mean, I got nothing to add there. I was on, <laughs> I was on, uh, I don't know what I, where I was saying this, but I remember very early on saying these numbers are not going to be good. They, we, there will not, we will not see... I, thought, I always thought it was stupid that people would make the argument that the ratings were going to be better because we're in the middle of a pandemic and a lot of people are at home, blah, blah, blah. Boxing comes on late. Like, a lot of people are home for boxing. And we've seen that there's no rhyme or reason to boxing ratings other than people are popular, they do better ratings. you got guys that aren't known, they do bad ratings. It's really that simple. Boxing doesn't have a brand where people are just going to tune in because it's boxing. That's not how boxing works. There are very few fans that are boxing fans who tune in for boxing and boxing alone and the names are kind of like the cherry on the top how do i know this well showbox's numbers can fluctuate wildly uh prior to uh pbc's fox deal their fs1 numbers on their original deal that they had with fs1 those numbers fluctuated like all over the place um i believe jamel herring fought uh on fs1 once and it did like sixty thousand viewers and then you have Sergey Derevyanchenko fighting on FS1, pulling in like a way bigger rating than that all over the place. And it made no sense what these ratings were. The only thing that was consistent is when guys are unknown, and Jamal Herring certainly was at that point, um, people don't tune in. Very simple. And so, yeah, go on. But I, like, I think I think Fox on PBC's probably had the best consistency, I think. 
they're usually stuck within like a, a certain level of where they are getting support. Uh, but I think that's when you build up. I think again, it, it's you're focusing on the fights. So if they if they put a good pattern of you're going to get good fights, people sort of keep coming back. And ESPN, I think there's just too much of a too much of a variety of the what kind of fights people are getting. So yeah, I don't know. But yeah, that whole uh, pandemic stuff. Even for the UFC, their numbers have dropped off too. They've dropped so, week after week. Like I, I yeah. thought that they would, they definitely would benefit from that first thing back, but the shine but it wasn't quickly a monster thing. It wasn't a monster. The, the, the prelim ratings, like the media guys who were like, you know, in UFC's pocket, of course, you know, would punch, push it up. Like this is an amazing card or something, but the prelim numbers were just pretty much what they saw before. You know, it was one of their higher prelim numbers, but it wasn't some monumental, you know, like, oh, everyone's tuning in because they got to see live sports. No, it's, you pretty much captured the same audience you're getting before. And ever since, it's because the, the fights aren't very good that they're putting on now. The numbers are dropping. You know? Well, I can't speak to quality because I don't really know. Yeah. But what I do know is that the week after week, it is has declined steadily. Yeah. Which points to which is a regression to the mean is what it really is. Um, I don't think less people are tuning in, or a significantly less number of people are tuning in. Although that does seem to be the case for these top rank cards, but we can make the argument that if they would have put these on a year ago, they would have done similar numbers. I believe that might be the case. You know, I also think that it's is is contrary and oh, weird. so you're saying it's not doing less number than the baseline. It's just it's just sort of. Yeah. Okay. I gotcha. Well, I mean, yeah. So my point that I was, I, I was making is that I feel like as crazy as it sounds, having other live sports on is actually helpful because you have these events throughout the week that are, that are literally, literally the people that you want to market to. There are people who are watching sports. Um, not as many people watch first take than would watch a college football game. This drives further, like way more awareness for an event than just putting your little Stevenson versus Caraballo uh, in the right hand corner of Get Up. You know, it puts, there's more people actively watching sports. I think there are still a lot of people out there who are either A, just they're over watching sports all the time. They've ad adjusted to the new lifestyle of, I don't know, making bread or whatever. Uh, then there are people that, are like, hey, I got all these shows to watch and shit. There's no shortage of streaming services that you can subscribe to, and there are a hell of a lot of good shows. I don't know. You, I could ask you to name me three shows that people should watch. You come up with three different shows. There's a lot of content out there that's great and entertaining, and you you aren't gonna be surprised week after week watching that show when characters that you don't that you like don't show up which is kind of the case in boxing and mma to uh as well where it's like your favorite fighter can't fight every week you know that's in other sports that's different if you're sam darnold's your 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 favorite player the nfl guess what you can watch and play every time you watch the sport if that's what you like i'm not saying that that's the case for me but i kind of you know kind of so you big sam darnold fan is what you're saying Nah, it's a, it's a joke <laughs> Uh, some, some of you, very sm slim number of you probably got that joke. Um, yeah, totally over my head. <laughs> for sure no it's idea. over your head, Tom. First of all, yeah, you're, you're not even an NFL fan. You're, I, you you got to make a yachting me. joke for Tom to get. So. 
Uh, a yachting joke? <laughs> yeah. Polo? Lawn darts? Although Tom keeps bringing up cornhole. He might be a, a cornhole player. <laughs> on, on a tangent, guys. So yesterday I was... Uh, I don't know. It's still weird. I still turn on YouTube TV and expect to find something good to watch. Uh, so I turned on YouTube TV and... Uh, I switched it to FS2, and I don't remember. Or maybe it was FS1. I don't know. And the program that was on before was ending, and the next one was starting. And it was World Arm Wrestling League. And <laughs> I was, like, it was oddly compelling to see, like, these guys and the production of it. And I was like, all right, let me just check out what this is. And so I'm watching, and it's, like, it was well done. Really well done. It was, like... Also very sad. Like I'm not convinced that anybody in that. Well, I'm not convinced that 90% of the people in the audience weren't paid to be there. Okay. Uh, the arena is incredibly small, so there's maybe 50 people in attendance. Uh, before the first arm wrestling battle or whatever they call it, um, the ring girl. Although it was, it was really like a little small beer bong table that they were standing at uh she brings over a stack of hundreds and it's probably like maybe 15 hundreds in her hand okay it wasn't like a lot of money and it's probably that amazon money you can buy there the fake hundreds and, and it's fan so she so you can see that it's about 15 hundreds like if i try to give that to adrian broner he's definitely gonna use uh some some terms at me okay uh so she just lays it on the table, right? She lays it on the table, and then the the, the referees, which there's two, you need two referees for arm wrestling. Um, they come over, and then they like stack up the money and just leave it on the table, and then they get to arm wrestling. And so these guys, they come out, they have their entrance where they walk down this little hallway. Uh, the championship, the championship isn't a belt; it's like a, a hammer, a big hammer, like Thor's hammer. And then so Dear I watch Lord. it, and like. If you ever see this on, on TV, you should watch it because it's <laughs> hilarious. Um, they, there's like breaks. There's like they go to their corner, which their corner also doubles oh as God. audience members. <laughs> and, and like they rub the dude's arm down. They're icing his arm between matches. Uh, they they actually also will will tie their hands together sometimes. And it's hilarious when the dude, so their hands are tied together, guy beats them, the guy immediately goes into celebration mode, and the dude is like, like intense screaming while his arm is attached to the other guy, dragging the other guy around. <laughs> it's real good stuff. Uh, great programming. Yeah, I like their that that should be doing three hundred thousand viewers. Seriously, the yeah. Russian the Russian slap fighting. See, like we could probably come up with a whole new sports <laughs> network for our own. The the guys who fight in armor, you know. <laughs> oh yeah, professional uh, If jousting. I could just say something though, like as much fun as it this is, better be about arm wrestling. Rank. Well, it, it kind of is. Uh, it's not all top ranks' fault though, because ESPN's ratings itself. Oh, have Bruce gone. Trampler over here. Yeah, Don't make Bruce fun of our Trampler guys over here. No. But I'm just saying, if we really want to be like, we're doing this our is best. Fairness, ESPN has gone to complete shit, so like, they're 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 putting up record honestly for their shows. I, I'm I I'll take the other side of this. I actually think ESPN is doing surprisingly well, given that what the hell are they talking about? There's nothing <laughs> of significance to talk about, and people are still watching. Who yeah. are these crazy people that no, are still see, watching it, ESPN? 
Yeah, but the way remember the way Nielsen works is like you know one one box represents like a hundred and thirty some thousand people, or however they split it. So so it's like it could be just one single person in the Nielsen thirteen hundred people like area for New York that's watching ESPN. I don't think that's true because a lot of TVs are just on ESPN. I love that one and a half people are watching a Josh Greer fight, (laughs) (laughs) and it's like a statistical anomaly. It's well, like see, this is the, problem the real that. viewership is like 20,000, but because of like one and a half random Josh Greer fans, like Josh Greer's mom happens to have a Nielsen box. So yeah. somebody fell asleep with their TV on because this fight came on at eight o'clock at night on the East Coast. <laughs> yeah, it could be just one guy. Like, see, this is the thing. Once we get the full digital switch over where they can tabulate actual ratings, you know, Nielsen's going to be out of the fucking business <laughs> because, because, you know, it's, it's just not very accurate. But we use it. Uh, but yeah, they're going to stick around. Yeah, no, I disagree, Fred. But that's a tangent. That's more of a that's more of an industry conversation. But I don't think they'll go anywhere because they provide a service. But I mean, I get where you're going with this. In terms of the truth, we'll get closer to it. Yeah, well, you can get the actual truth because there will be everyone watching. Uh, Not now. It's not. If you don't have a box, it doesn't matter if your TV's on or not. Anyway, but yeah, so ESPN is like doing fucking terrible fucking numbers well i mean i looked at first takes numbers not too long ago and it's not significantly lower which surprises me it's like why are I don't you watching know, first take? The, <laughs> I mean, again, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna agree with angelo where it's like they should have no content and a surprising amount of you know it should be zero <laughs> so they're improving about, on about well okay i'm actually gonna take back what i'm gonna say because uh it was i we may no, not have any more listeners if I said what I was going to say. But, I mean, the question is, like, I know that there are some storylines in sports right now, like, you know, the return of the NBA, the return of MLB, which are proposed and we're on the – well, at least in the NBA's case, we're confident when things are about to happen. The the MLB is in the negotiation phase of it, although it's hard to call it a negotiation but, like, outside of that, what are you talking about? Like, they're not – they can't possibly be actually talking about NASCAR and golf and Cornhole and Overwatch League and uh, World Arm Wrestling League. Like, what are they talking about? But but that's it. And it just shows that how empty a lot of these sports networks are. It's like, this should be a good time. You should be able to fill this time with something. Oh. But, you know, what do they got, you know? Well, here's so one more thing about ratings, ahead. and we should probably move on. But I'm not going to uh, applaud no 300,000 ratings. Get, I, I'm just not, and I'll tell you why. Because they're saying like, oh, well, you know, ESPN's, you know, they're still second or third most watched thing of of the day, blah blah blah. ESPN showed when they had great content when they were showing the Last Dance, that they, that bad boy was pulling in close to between eight to ten million viewers. Or was it yeah, six to ten? Sure six to ten or something like that. Uh, but it it, it's six, yeah. at, at a minimum, it was over a million. Okay. Yeah, so, which is huge for ESPN. It, I mean, it was massive, and in the the Lance Armstrong, the Bruce Lee, and uh, the Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa, those documentaries are still doing very well, very 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 well. Now, obviously, not the Last Dance, but let's be real, none of those guys are MJ. They're still doing good numbers though, and so you know the the conversation of well, three hundred is still good. Not not really. Don't try to don't don't try to be very selective with the ratings that you're coming out and and comparing to other significant first-run pandemic programming because it ain't hitting. 
It, it is not like these 30 for 30s either. I'm real curious, this super tangent, last thing, how this Ken Griffey Jr. documentary is going to do on the MLB Network tonight. I, I imagine that it's going to be a pretty good number for MLB Network. Anyway, um, let's see. Really? There's that many Ken Griffey Jr. fans? There is. And also, MLB Network comes in a lot of basic cable packages. So I can see that it would probably do... MLB Network, by the way, had something that did like a really big number recently too. Um, but anyway, we still have no indication that any of the the big fights pre-pandemic, and I'm going to go ahead and say that Jamal James versus Tomas Delorme, which we know is happening, is not necessarily a big fight. David Benavides versus uh, Romer Angulo, not a big fight. Now, if it was Alfredo Angulo, I would change my tune here. But <laughs> these are these are just average fights that we used to expect, okay? So they're not big. They're, they're, they're baseline. What Top Rank's doing right now, not baseline, below. But we won't, you know, we're not going to... Shit on them or anything like for that, but uh, no. But at least fights. the Jamal James fight is a it's a uh, it's an eliminator, right? Um, dude, come on. But I'm saying at least it has some kind of hook you can sell. Well, it. but I, either way, that would mostly be what all main events are. All main events are some combination of two names that we know, eliminators, title fights. Some there's some classification to point to importance for main event fights that we expect to see on Fox. But, it, but it's not like it's Jamal James coming back against some guy from Venezuela. No, it's... Either. Okay, I don't <laughs> who, know about... Who hasn't eaten it, it's, it's, it's not Jamal James versus Uriel Lopez, okay? Or yeah. Eliezer Lopez or something like that. It's it's a fight yeah. of, of of significance. It's just not a big fight. Big fight, we can classify as as a as the hardcore boxing fan, no doubt about it. You're, you're going to watch it. Um, we haven't seen that, okay? And... I'm just curious, like, we haven't seen any indications of these fights going on. Do you think within the next three months, at any point in the next three months, we are going to see a fight that we would classify as a big fight? And let's, you know, be very, very clear here. It is June 21st, so three months from now would be July, August, September 21st. So from now until August, uh, shoot, September 21st, will we see a big fight? Big fight classified as... Has a big I think name. it's a, I think it's September probably. Yeah. What about yeah. you, Tom? I don't have a strong answer because no one knows, but the COVID numbers are looking so horrific in terms of the gains we're seeing all over the country. Um, I'm definitely more pessimistic now after this past week. Prior to that, every indication seemed to be that there were a lot of promotions or. Well, the PBC and also Top Rank, and God knows what's happening with Dazen, but at least PBC and Top Rank were each looking to do big shows in September, meaning they could actually get a crowd, sell a gate, you know, which means they could put on real fights. Um, and I'm more pessimistic now about that. I have nothing more to say about it, though. Um, I, I'm pessimistic, too, but I don't know. I do feel like we are going to get some big fights. Um, I think as early as August. Now, the thing that throws us off about PBC, and, you know, obviously this is a criticism that I have of them, and I'm sure, sure a lot of people do, is that we don't get a lot of announcements from them. We don't really, it's, it's usually radio silence on that side until things are happening, which there's good to that, and there's also bad to that. And bad to that is, 
it's hard for us to sit here and project what the hell they're going to do other than the two fights that we know they were already doing and they're going to just stick to the plan. And maybe we could read into like, okay, well, what was their plan pre, uh, pre-closing down everything and just kind of follow that out to its natural conclusion and say these are the fights that they're going to do. But I don't know. Um, if we had some indication of what their plans were, maybe it would be easier to say. So I think that they will do something. Um, I don't know, though. Again, my my understanding and everything that I've heard is that Eddie and the crew were not planning to do anything until September. They were going to stay, you know, shut up and let as much pass as much time pass as possible and then they would return to having fights in September as Tom alluded to maybe with a little bit of a crowd who knows now um something that I've been thinking about that could really hurt this top rings idea of creating this bubble you can say whatever you want about it about its effectiveness but in theory it's really good and I liked going to a hotel a casino in Vegas I, I like that they put in a ballroom and they could you know, essentially create a bubble. And I really have, have been struggling to see how PBC is going to do that if they're intending to go to the Fox Studios or the Showtime Studio in Studio City, which, funny name, but um, out in Studio City, like, how do they create a bubble-like atmosphere without, you know, risking fights getting called off because they got contaminated uh, fight week or something like that? That is something that I, I've been thinking about. And like, even if we do get big fights from PBC, like, can they actually deliver them? Or whether, or, or Matchroom or Golden Boy or somebody. Um, that's something that I'm really concerned about. And obviously, they, well, I don't know about this, but I would assume that they got smarter people than me working behind the scenes figuring this out. Now, I think the three of us can acknowledge that that may not be true. But, you know, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. So I think we will see something big within the next three months. And certainly all signs indicate that Canelo is coming back and he will fight on his on his normal day, which would be what, September 12th? I think it's September 12th. Yeah, I don't know this year. It always moves. It, it's one of those days. It's like a, it's, 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 it's definitely not September 10th and it's definitely not September 19th. So it's in that range. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's September 16th is a Wednesday, so I don't know whether it'd be before. The 19th. 14th, 13th, 12th. Yeah, I was right. It'd be the 19th, wouldn't it? No, they're going to. No, no, no. It, w- it would well, be the week midweek, before. so it's whether they would do it the weekend before or the weekend after. I don't know. We don't, This is just sort of a tangential point of debate. So, what do you mean? That's an important date. Come on, Tom. Tom's the most God. important date of the year. Yeah. Probably because it's Mexicans. Tom's like, I don't care about that. Oh, boy. Anyway, I, I'll, I'll sort of my, my response to this general thing is like, I, I, I think what you're going to need to see, like, it's funny because I the last time I was on, I, I forgot it wasn't I was on more recently than I remembered because I, I did. We did do one episode kind of at the start of the pandemic talking about when it would be back. And you know, it's the thing we talked about then and to talk about what it now I is I, I don't remember the date, but um are, are, are you, do you remember or are you ask because you don't remember? Dude, I do so many podcasts. I have no clue yeah, what yeah. I say. No, no, but well, I remember what I said. <laughs> That's what the did best you I say? So it was, it was on the topic of, you know, how much is involved in training and preparing for a boxing match that you need to be able to train in a gym, you know, around other people, 
Um, you need to be able to spar. You know, it, it's not something that you can really do adequately in private, which is something I've really emphasized with these top rank cards that you just that there's no these fighters have not been you know honed to the edge you're expecting of real professional boxing. And I think before you're going to see, you know, real fights that have real significance, fighters are going to have to be able to prepare the way that they're used to, meaning in a real gym without restrictions or at least without prohibitive restrictions with, you know, just lots of sparring partners. Um, you know, there's only so much you can replicate that in the bubble, you know. So I think you're going to need to see basically things being relatively normal and controlled for two to three months in order for fighters to be able to prepare. So that, you know, that's the issue with September. It's not even as much that things won't be reasonable in September, but you know, when are fighters going to get the go ahead to start training in a real way in order to create an environment where they can't have a fight two or three months from now, you know, that's yeah, how I'm lo- thinking a lot of it. fighters are already uh, getting ready, like especially on the PBC side. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, a lot of them have training. their own gyms and stuff. But, you know, again, is it a question of are they just trying to keep their weight down or are they really preparing to do, you know, fight, a, you know, fight that's really significant in their I career? think they're getting the word, to, you know, get out of the bar and get into the gym. So. Yeah. Well, well, I, I think for July. So f- at least um, uh, I don't know if we want to go down this road. It, it seems like PBC, the the. The, the the thinking and the the planning of their return has been in progress almost as long as top rank because we heard pretty early we're not that they weren't looking until at, at a minimum July to come back and um, I think if I remember correctly I I had said that July also was when I thought things would start to get back now top rank beat us but did they rush to it possibly and um, I, I'm I'm I don't know it's just so weird to to try to think about when things will start to fully kick into gear. Now, it could it's be, such a, but it, the problem is it's such a political thing. You know, it's not really based on a lot of issues because the whole idea of of shutting things down was to not like overwhelm the hospitals. But now it's like even if things reopen, there's more cases, but. You're, the hospitals aren't getting crushed, so you don't have that issue. But everyone doesn't know because no one really wants to get sued. So as soon as as soon as some uh, government sort of give people more okays as they build up, you'll start to see like crowds come back, and that's when things really come back. But I think probably yeah, you're you're talking August September. The people are going to say hey, enough's enough. I'm going out partying. Maybe maybe I think people are already saying that. But that doesn't necessarily mean it's the right thing to do, uh, because I would prefer to have big fights not happen in a in a closed environment. It it is, I, top ranks broadcasts I think are really cool. Um, I think they're well done, but it is a little weird when without a crowd. It's yeah, not you need a that crowd. Noticeable, you, need, you need a crowd, but. I think I said well, this on again, one of the podcasts. This is, yeah, go on, finish it. That the, the 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 strangest things, or the strangest thing is when s- somebody gets knocked down, just not having the roar of the crowd. That's one of the yeah, biggest missing yeah. points for me. Yeah, you've mentioned that, and that's totally true. That you know you lose the energy that you're used to. Um, you know, it's it's even like the WWE has tried to have have some version of a crowd, even though it's like you know, I mean, that's that's, that's AEW that's so did that tangible. first. Just want to let you know. Your little mark. Wow. Uh, but anyway, um, 
No, just on this topic, though, but it's not just about the presentation. You know, it's a key component of everyone getting paid. I mean, one of the things that, you know, I like, and I think Fred's talked about this before, about the economy of boxing and what's appealing about it is like, you know, the honesty of it. In most levels of the sport, you know, outside of days in, you know, fighters really get paid what they draw, you know, in terms of their gait. And, you know, once you get to the pay-per-view level, especially, you know, what you draw is what you get paid. Um, and a big component of that, you know, and that's good because that incentivizes each, you know, the, the, you know, the network, the, the promotion and the fighter get a cut of that. Um, but you know, the thing is when you take a piece out in terms of the live gate, I, I can understand certainly why a fighter would say, no, I'm not going to, you know, every fight in my career matters. You know, if I'm only going to fight 30 times and really maybe only 10 or 12 times at the, the highest level of my earnings, um, I'm not going to sacrifice maybe half of what I would make under compromise situation. You know, I mean, it would be like if there was some problem with, uh, yeah, well, I mean, you know, if, um, like paper, if there was something wrong with pay-per-view, like say pay-per-view as a revenue source got banned by the government and, uh, through cable boxes and boxing partners were trying to figure out how you could get people to pay, you know, online or whatever, like same thing. I mean, you can't just take a big chunk of the pie and remove it and then expect that things are going to work the way that they had before. You know, I have a problem with I, that. Well, let me just, I'm just going to finish what I'm saying and then I'll throw it back to one of you guys. Um, but, you know, there was a lot of speculation early on, I think very naively that, oh, you know, all that you need to do is have ESPN pay, you know, to the point Fred was saying about these existing contracts, it's like, all you need to have to do is to have ESPN throw in like 50% more money for cards and then that would replace whatever revenue would have come from the live gate. And, you know, okay, fighters might be taking a little bit of an extra risk because they can't train well, but you pay them a little bit more. Than, you know, just pay everyone a little bit more than they're used to and get the network to cover the money from the gate and everything's fine. But the network's not going to do that. The fighters aren't going to take less money. And top rank's not going to do that. So you end up in the situation that you're in where you have a lot of fighters who just aren't willing to fight and um you know or waiting for the live gate to come back or the fights that do happen are these heavily compromised ones anyway over to one of you guys the problem i have with that regarding these fights that have that we have seen over the past two weeks how big do you think those gates were going to be i'm here to tell well, you but <laughs> that they, they would have been they wouldn't they would have barely covered the purses that were reported to be paying out so i don't believe that on some of these cards the gate is even that important because a lot of the money is being saved by doing it in the same spot. Now, maybe you could say for testing and all that stuff, I would imagine that ESPN is is doing their part in trying to set that up because you know they're benefiting just as much as top rank by putting on these cards. So I, I don't know. I don't buy completely. I, I definitely see the logic of it, and I'm definitely not saying that it's wrong, but I, I just... I'll look a little sideways when I hear the argument that, about the live gate because what I've seen thus far, this is not a huge live gate that we're missing out on uh, that changes things. Okay, I know I'm boxing Fred out here, but I need to respond to that. So Go ahead. You're, you're conflating two issues. So one is that top ranks gates have been incredibly shitty in the last two years, which is, you know, <laughs> led Bob Arum to make the infamous comment of, you know, the problem with boxing is that we can't sell tickets, uh, you know, paraphrasing. And then, you know, immediately after that, try to put 
the business on the market, <laughs> you know, which is not the best way to try to sell your business is to talk about how shitty it's doing uh, immediately prior yeah, to it's that. It's almost like the guy um, who said that doesn't run the business, but yeah, I, I mean, you know, it's like we have Jose Ramirez bragging about his ticket sales, but he's, you know, the average ticket price was what, $14. I think we figured out for, for some of those shows. And, you know, you have some of these other top rank cards, you know, thanks to, uh, uh disclosures from the athletic commissions we know these numbers and you know some of these cards doing you know sixty thousand dollar gates some navarrete cards doing horrible horrible gates um but that's not true across all of boxing you know i mean you're talking about like wilder ortiz did such a great gate even you know but some i of these specifically cards said the last two weeks for a reason because six figure i gates. know that you would prove me wrong by bringing up these ones yeah but let me finish my point though so you know you're, you're sort of conflating two things which is you know we're talking about across all of the sport what is coming back and when are they going to come back for other parts of the sport this you know percentage of the pie is more significant and you know again these are also, I mean, you know, he's talking about conflating issues. Again, these are not cards which necessarily would have even happened otherwise. You know, you wouldn't see them put a card like the one that happened on Thursday night uh, in a 20,000-person arena. You know, that that's not a card sure? they would have put together in front of a live audience expecting to make part of that money on a gate. You sure about that? Well, that Remember card that the way that happened. Remember that Navarrete and yeah. fight? <laughs> well again you know the head the headliner there got canceled the venue and they went ahead anyway yes and the result was oh horrible. yes but that headliner anyway. luis Colazo versus who again uh i uh i god i can't remember um, oh, oh, oh it was um jose benavidez yeah you're which, right uh, by the way jose benavidez still hasn't come back and uh, his wife is a ridiculous Instagram influencer. And I definitely re- they do totally have an illegal cat straight from Doc. <laughs> uh, Doc. Oh, God, I, I'm ruining the joke. Doc Ansel. What's the uh, um, not the guy anyway. from Baby Driver who just got canceled, right? Oh, God, no. I'm talking about the <laughs> so guy. It sounded Tiger like you were King. saying his name. He's but... trying to do the Tiger King thing. Tiger uh, King guy who has cats a are legal in Arizona. Con, don't say that. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, um, sorry. It's I'm funny if we if we just place, pretend but, that they're illegal. But <laughs> yes, I was speaking about more broadly and not top ranks recent shitty shows that wouldn't have happened under other circumstances. Anyway, Fred hasn't talked for a long time. We need we need to move the podcast. Well, I think Tom kind of wanted to have his cake and eat it too there um, with this idea about the gates mattering and thing. So I think we were talking about top rank and the cars they've been putting on. And the context, and that's it. Like people are covering, well, you know, they don't have the gate. It's like their gate sucked. So what's changed? You know, like you those uh, what's his name? <laughs> now I forget the uh, Ukrainian dude. Sorry, uh, oh, stuff. on top rank Vosdik? No, no, no. Of course, the, 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 the top guy. No, no, the little Lomachenko. guy. Lomachenko. There you go. Wow, we have been that's like your favorite stuff. fighter, and you can't even think of his name. I know I was looking at something else and I completely blanked. But yeah, uh, Lomachenko a move. Like, waving a Ukrainian <laughs> flag, flag, you know, shedding you a single Lomachenko well, every I'm chance ever you get. Well, I've posted that pro-Russian thing. He's been on the out with me a little you, bit. You defend Lomachenko every chance you uh, get no. No, that's what from, from Big Bad Me. Yeah. Even though I like Lomachenko, I said I was you looking can't at stand for any criticism of Lomachenko. Well, now you're getting ridiculous. All the way through fight week. Because I was just about to shit on him. 
Because I'm saying Top Rank paid, like, they're paying millions for him, and his gates aren't covering fuck all. Well, I think, yeah, yeah we figured out the Top Rank's losing money on their Lomachenko and uh, Terrence Crawford contracts, but that's yeah, a separate so, issue. So it's, just, it's not like they're they're getting in gate money anywhere, especially as Tom has repeatedly made fun of Jose Ramirez, you know, even though he sells those tickets to needy kids, and Tom still laughs at him, but it's terrible, but... You know. <laughs> He gets a crowd, but yeah, this is like yeah, top ranks not losing that much money on their gates to be putting up this bad card. So like, I guess you could say, well, guys aren't ready. Come on, it's not like they just decide one day, oh, we're gonna do fights tomorrow. It's like yeah, it, it, it's bad. Top ranks bad. Uh, gates for other fighters, like you said, Canelo, of course. Well, Canelo actually doesn't give a shit because he's getting paid no matter what. You know, he's, his money's guaranteed. So yeah, I found uh, Jose Benavides's wife slash girlfriend, whatever, on mm. Instagram. This cat is definitely not the one that you'll find in an animal shelter. This this thing is. Uh... No, it's one of those uh, serval cats. I think they call it. Hey, relax here with the expert cat stuff, okay? Just because you watch Tiger King, don't make you know Ranger Rick. <laughs> they didn't even have him on there, bro. Come this on. cat looks vicious. Yeah, the clips of they have this cat, like the cat attacking the camera, the cat making a hissing (laughs) face. Wow. Yeah, Yeah, they're only legal in like a couple states. Yeah, for a good reason. This looks like the cat from Watchmen, (laughs) the one that Doc uh, Adrian Veidt had. Yeah, (laughs) Ramses two, I think it was. Yeah, I think he was a. Well, we're getting really nerdy here. Wow. Settle down, Tom. Settle down. Nerds are our demographic. This wow! If, if I had this cat in the house, like I would definitely just be like, you know what? I'm leaving. Yeah, I think John Jones has one too. Uh, can it drive? <laughs> well, obviously, probably better. Than <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, what were you saying about Top Rank? Ah, uh, nothing. I'm just saying. Uh, I was just talking shit about him again. <laughs> uh, yeah, we don't need to do that. Let's talk about Regis Progre who we may see fight on top rank. I don't know. Um, there's been some back and forth over the past week. So if you don't know the situation, uh, I, I, this is a situation that I love. So Regis Progre and Maurice Hooker, they, they were fighting. They had a fight that was scheduled to take place on April 17th. Obviously, that fight didn't happen. It was scrapped. We all know the story about why it was scrapped. So they came back to the negotiating table, and I guess they were figuring out when to do the fight again. And they were bickering about weight. So originally it was contracted at 143. And Progre basically has said, can you guys hear the fireworks in the background? Yes. That's cool. Don't worry about it. It's fine. Okay. Just just so you know, those are fireworks. I'm not in a war zone right now. Freedom works. uh, So Progre says that he is not going above 143. Now, you know, Maurice Hooker, a very big junior lightweight. He is... uh, you know, obviously not wanting to make that 140 anymore. And Progre was trying to make the fight. So I, I guess the guy who was lighting those fireworks has now fled the seed. Anyway, um, so then they wanted it to be a title eliminator for 140. So Progre's team was like, yo, let's do 140. Hooker's team said absolutely not. And they said that they would need like three months in order to make weight for 140. So they've gone back and forth. And ultimately, they've just said, all right, well, Hooker's going to 147. Progray, you can do whatever you want. Stay at 140. Who cares? You, you're not fighting us. Do you, do you guys think that 
Progray and Hooker, by not fighting each other, are missing out on a big opportunity. Tom, what do you think? I mean, who gives a shit? I mean, I'm sorry to steal Fred's thunder with this, but I mean, this is so, like, just such small ball. Like, there, there's no significance to this fight at all. I mean, I like Progray. I actually would enjoy that fight, but, you know, just because, I mean, this is, like, what would this fight have been years ago? <laughs> you know, you have Maurice Hooker, who looked extremely vulnerable coming up, you know, has sort of like one and a half significant wins in his career. Regis Progray, who's a guy who who I think is very possibly number two in the division, but, you know, he's coming off of a loss. I, I just I don't know. I mean, this is like this is like the loser's bracket of the tournament. I, I don't see why this is being presented <laughs> as a big fight. I mean that's a literal description. I'm not even really trying to say that as a you know as Hooker a dig. wasn't even in the tournament. Although I guess I guess you you're considering Jose Ramirez versus. Yeah, that's what I'm the, talking about. Okay, so it's cool. like you know right. I like this point. Under in what universe is this a huge fight? I mean, if this if this fight were on a PBC a on Fox broadcast, universe. people would be shitting on the quality of it. You know, I mean, this is like, yeah, it's just it's not it's not a hugely significant fight. I would. I definitely watch it though. I don't want to shit on that. I would totally watch this fight, but it's just it's not a big fight. There's no title. It's again, both guys are coming off a loss. Um, it's like, you know, who who's paying money for this and how much are they paying for it? I don't I don't really get that why it's being treated. Uh, you know, I know people are bored and they don't have anything to talk about, but this is what I'm talking about about um, you know, people like uh Coppinger, Pugmire, and Chris Mannix just concocting stories that don't matter pretending they're important to do favors to promoters just trying to get any kind of traffic on their twitter feed i mean who gives a shit <laughs> fred do you want to explain why someone cares about this fight no no because i don't <laughs> uh like i said okay it, it'd be a, like an interesting fight but again as tom nailed it the back and forth and the build-up and how public it was is like do these guys realize people don't give a shit that much. It's, this isn't like some major fight people have been asking about. And these guys are having wars in the media over, you know, making weight. It's just like everyone looked dumb from it, you know. It's like, okay, the fight's not happening. How's people are like, what? <laughs> what fight? You know? It, it just it was it's just yeah, everyone looked bad out of it. They they would have looked good if they would have made the fight. It's like, oh okay, well at least that's a fight you can look forward to. You know, solid guys. But for the amount that they're going back and forth and it's just like no, it didn't it didn't justify any of that attention. So now they just look dumb. Like how the fuck do you not make this fight work? Like what else do you got going on? I mean, I liked this fight and one of the reasons why I liked it is because it was two guys trying to bet on themselves to get back into contention amongst the the guys with names. Um both guys Specifically, Hooker has really failed at that top level. And I think, despite that, he's Hooker somehow positioned himself to be considered one of the top guys at 140. Now, whether that's actually the case or not, that's up to you guys to decide. And, you know, if you're asking for my opinion, I don't believe that to be the case. Um, I've seen nothing from Hooker throughout his career to lead me to believe that he belongs amongst even the top five at his division. But we'll operate under the assumption that people out there actually believe that. And um, Jesus. And, and so Progray is a guy that 
just one win takes him back to where he was. I think we, even though I don't believe it, I think that the general consensus is that that Taylor fight was very close. And um, if he were to get a win against a guy like a Maurice Hooker, which is to say a name, he gets all that momentum that he had before. It comes back. And so, you know, I'm really, really, I was really, really interested in this fight because I like Progre, as we all do. Progre's, you know, uh, he's an all right fighter. I don't think he's like super good or anything like that, but he's entertaining. He can talk. He's a fun fighter to watch. He has an interesting style, and I like his story. And I think this fight, you know, really missing out here because the alternative is like he's going to wind up fighting Chris Algieri. What does that do? <laughs> I mean, it's it's a funny Errol Spence joke, but that's it. There, there's, there's really, like, I don't know what else Progre can do, and I highly doubt that Josh Taylor is going to be itching to do a rematch with Progre given how that fight played out. And how tough that was of a fight for him, even though I think he won fairly comfortably. So, uh, yeah, we can move on, though, because we need to talk about Dana White. So, there's this ongoing feud between Bob Arum and Dana White. I'm going to read a quote that Dana White gave. I'm taking this from Boxing Scene. People aren't even watching Top Rank on TV. So, fans are going to fucking show up now? So this asshole is saying that he's going to have fans at his fights. When a few weeks ago, he was talking shit about me for even going forward with the vents. Then I go and now he's going right after I'm going, but he's going to have fans all of a sudden too. He's an asshole. He has 300,000 viewers and he's going to have fans. What are 14 fans going to show up? And he's... Obviously, this Dana White gave this quote after um, the UFC event. I think it was this past Saturday, yesterday. And um, so there's a lot of things we could talk about with this. But, I mean, the, the main thing, um, first is, and foremost, is Bob Aaron's been talking about doing a pay-per-view on September 19th, which would be a week after Canelo. But that also is a planned pay-per-view for the UFC where Khabib, the, 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 the best fighter in UFC, where he's in a fight. So, first of all, do you believe that Top Rank's actually going to go forward with the September 19th pay-per-view? Fred? Uh, no. I don't know. This is a weird thing because they're both, I know they like have this hate for each other, even though I don't think they've ever met each other. But uh, they're both on ESPN, so this almost sounds like some kind of weird wrestling thing where they're, they're just trying to get heat for each other. You know, That's for ESPN, one of my takes, but yes, yeah, because otherwise, if you're ESPN, you'd be going, "Why are you guys attacking each other? Like, why are like, you pointing out Top Rank's bad ratings when it? Yeah, you guys are like, part of the same you, family. It hurts you both. Yeah, you've you've got a, you both got deals with ESPN, and they're sitting there talking about how the other one sucks and the piece of shit. It's like it just yeah, it almost seems like it's some kind of gimmick, but of course, both guys have huge egos and everything, so. Uh, that Habib card, where's it going to happen? In the Middle East, of course. If that happens, that's why Dana White doesn't want to have anything. But he's like, if ESPN puts on both pay-per-views, <laughs> it's not even going to work. So that's why it, nothing uh, nothing makes sense there. Because ESPN does all of UFC's pay-per-views now. 
And it's not like Top Rank's going to go to a different provider. They're going to have ESPN. So you know someone's full of shit there, you know. Uh, what do you think, Tom? Are you confident that Top Rank will have a September 19th pay-per-view and go head-to-head with the UFC? Uh, no, definitely not. I, I, I'm going to go with Dana White on this. <laughs> Shitting on Bob Arum. Uh, let, let, I mean, just just to go through some some stuff on this. You know, they keep dangling out the Lomachenko Tiafimo pay per view, and I just really want to plant my flag and say I don't believe in that fight as a pay per view at all in terms of realistic business. I personally love that fight. You know, uh, I, I feel like I always have the reputation of shitting on top rank and praising the BBC. I mean, I personally love that fight. But the business doesn't make any sense. I mean, you know, I was trying to think through what would be a parallel for the 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 the, the outcome of that fight in terms of pay-per-view business. And I was thinking, is this, you know, Lomachenko? I mean, is this like Sergey Kovalev, Andre Ward numbers? Uh, should I look at like Gennady Golovkin when he fought um, like Daniel Jacobs or David Lemieux? And I, the thing I keep coming back to, no, I think this is really more like Crawford Postal or even less than that. You know, just if you look at Teofimo Lopez, I think there's every reason to be excited about him. You know, I was I was at his his fight with uh, Kome, you know, really exciting one punch knockout. He looks to have a bright future, but he has no traction at all. As, as far as I know, he's never headlined a card. Um, you know, all of these showcase fights that he's had Didn't, have been under. Was it the Nakatani fight a headline? Uh, you are correct. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That was the yeah. one where uh, the um, Dadashev was on the undercard, I believe. Um, uh, if I remember correctly. I something wrong. I don't know why. Is that, that the one where easily come to me? <laughs> yeah. But but anyway, the yeah, point is though. Sickness. But uh, the, his Google trend numbers are nothing. They're like one thirtieth of Gervonta Davis. Like literally. Someone and, just you know, got Sunday Puncher podcast bingo because you mentioned your Google trends. Oh, <laughs> well, I'm, I'm back, baby. Um, oh, but I mean, there's just, there's no, uh, Tifimo Lopez is effectively never sold a ticket again. You could say, okay, he sold dozens of tickets or whatever, but you know, he's never proven anything in ratings and Lomachenko isn't burning up the charts either as an A side, you know, I get the top rank side of it. You know, again, if we want to talk about the booming business of them doing one of these ESPN cards where they're, they're getting a $500,000 license fee or whatever, you know, again, I I don't want to go back to the debate with Fred, but um, you know, it's like, I'm sure they could cover the purses of Tiafimo Lopez and Lomachenko on pay-per-view if like Tiafimo is getting a $500,000 guarantee or something, but it it certainly is not going to go head to head with tank versus Leo Santa Cruz, which is what they've, they've kept, you know, it's like, again, if they're trying to win the Twitter battle of like having 400 people on Twitter say that Lomachenko Tiafimo is a better fight than Gervonta Davis, Leo Santa Cruz, fine. But Leo Santa Cruz, uh, tank could do 300,000 pay-per-view buys and Lomachenko, Tiafimo could do 50,000 pay-per-view buys. You know, from a business standpoint, they're not comparable events. Now, you compare that to the return of Khabib? No, there's no comparison. And there's no way ESPN is going to side with uh, Top Rank and say, you get the, the slot on that date. You know, I, so the, just, just to recap, the math to me from, 
you know, a real business standpoint has never added up to actually do Tiafimo Lomachenko, which is why I think they still have never announced it officially. Um, and then going head to head with Khabib. No, you've got to be absolutely fucking kidding me. That doesn't make sense. Well, anyway, I think one Khabib of you guys... is kind of a big star, too. I mean, maybe one of the biggest stars. Or at least, he, Yeah, you know... no, that's what I'm saying. That's a big event. Yeah, I'm... That's a huge event. And the other one is a non-event. So, no, I don't think ESPN would side with top rank, you know, and give them the backing to do the, the, the event on that day. It doesn't make any sense. I do want to say that Lomachenko, we don't know what he would do. And I get you did say, like, you know, Lomachenko's numbers haven't been that great. From a live perspective, in terms of the crowd showing up to his fights, sure. But you got to remember that Lomachenko hasn't fought on ESPN since 2018, where he did two of the, the top four most watched ESPN cards. So does that translate to pay-per-view buys? No, not at all. Okay, so that's not where I'm going with this at all. But I do think it would be really interesting to see a, uh, a Lomachenko who spent a year and a half, two years almost, off of ESPN, which obviously would give someone the most amount of exposure or potential exposure outside of fighting on Fox, ESPN in second place. What happens to that guy when he hasn't fought there for almost two years and he's been ex- relegated to uh, ESPN Plus, which is obviously their subscription-based streaming service, we have no clue um, just what those numbers are. Does that hurt Teofimo Lopez's, uh, or, or sorry, not Teofimo, does that hurt the, the the potential numbers of this fight and how much? Yeah, well, I don't know if that's a rhetorical question, but of course it does. Well, how much? Cause, cause, what? So what are you going to go from 50,000 buys to 40,000 buys? See, that's I mean, the I question. Like, who gives a shit? It's already not a pay-per-view. Was, 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 <laughs> did they already miss the boat with Lomachenko in terms of having him on a pay-per-view? And did they further just kind of shoot themselves in the foot by relegating him over there? Outside of top-rank employees like Evan Korn arguing on Twitter, there's, there is no argument for him as a pay-per-view draw. You know, I mean, it's, it's like, yeah, the, the numbers don't add up, you know? I just I think that at some point in the future, Tiafimo and Lomachenko could be a a, a, a modest pay per view, okay? So three hundred thousand, something like that. But the 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 roles are flipped. Lomachenko is a bigger draw than than Tiafimo, and that's a function of Tiafimo still being twenty two years old. He's headlined one card. Yeah, he's he's got a couple of high profile. Um, a couple of high-profile positions on, on cards. But for the most part, Teofimo is not really known. See, Tank and Leo Santa Cruz is a perfect example of, okay, well, now you got to strike with, with this fight because Gervonta is a young guy, yeah, but he's built himself up into a star. Teofimo hasn't quite done that in, in a, a tangible way. We can't point to anything to say that that is the case. Um, and you could say, well, like, well, okay, well, what about on the Terrence Crawford card? against Igis Kavalaskas that did over a million viewers, blah, blah, blah. Well, most people turned off, or not most people, that's unfair for me to say, but people turned the card off after the Conlon fight. So there's no convincing that those people were like, you know, there for Tiafimo. So I just think that in the case of Canelo, where like 
you make a, a successful pay-per-view when somebody else can build themselves up to sustain a little bit on their own. That's not the case with either guy here, which would point to why this is probably not going to be a successful pay-per-view. I'm optimistic. I think that um, the back and forth helps. There was no back and forth with Crawford and Postal. There's literally no storyline, if you guys remember. There was absolutely zero storyline to that fight other than they were good fighters. And that was it. So there's a little bit of a storyline here, and you need that to sell a, a fight. Um, Fred, you pointed to this, and, and I I got to at least have the, the, the thought in the back of my mind. Not necessarily that I believe it or I think it's true, but it does seem weird that... He consistently is going after Bob Arum after his cards. And he keeps calling Bob Arum names, pointing out top rank success or, or lack thereof. It seems really strange to me that he keeps harping on to this. Almost to the fact that could this be their idea of cross-promotion? So, Fred, you kind of gave your take already. I agree with you that it, it just doesn't smell right at a minimum. What do you think, Tom? Um, boy, I, well, I've been talking do you too think, much. That's my first comment, but I definitely have a response. Do, do you think that there's potential that this animosity is actually real? I definitely think so. I don't think it's a bit because I don't think it helps <laughs> top rank for Dana White to humiliate them and justifiably point out how horrible their ratings are. Um, look, here's the other main issue. I always talk about the CAA mafia. I mean, probably more in the Patreon chat than on the podcast, but you know, it's, this is a big factor with the top ranks relationship with ESPN and with all the talking heads that are on their show. You know, the, these, you know, you have a big entity CAA and they represent a lot of these people. They negotiated ESPN's deal, which is why you have the version of their show where it's about, you know, 40% boxing and 60% talking heads because you have all these person great. So I always talk about the CAA mafia as a really top rank deal. Uh, UFC is owned by Endeavor, CAA's competitor. So, you know, yes, they're both on ESPN, but they're always both competing for space on and time on ESPN plus. And, you know, you did see some cooperation in the past where you'd have shared fight nights where they would hope to have one piggyback off the other. But uh, generally speaking, I mean, look, they're aligned with opposite, you know, bitter rivals in terms of, you know, CA versus Endeavor. So, yeah, I, I don't see any reason they would. W there would be to think that there would be like, you know, friendly cooperation. I just, you know, I, I think that it is genuine animosity. What do you think, Fred? Yeah, like I said, it's. You know, it's just an idea. It's not like I'm saying that's what's going on. I know they do like dislike each other. But as a point, even though they're competitors, it's like they're both the main content on ESPN Plus, and it just it just strikes me as weird. Like I said, I know they're they're both essentially assholes, especially Dana. You know, so Dana, anything that Dana can do to sort of deflect from the questions about the UFC because he likes to talk about top rank, you know, so just to focus people off of you know his own issues or guys are holding out for money now and shit like that. So. But it just it just seems dumb. But then again, you know, they're a bunch of rich dudes and it's not like they're do the smartest shit all the time. So it just seems like a bad move to me because essentially UFC is saying, hey, you know, if they wanted to get some crossover, well, you're not going to get it when, you know, UFC is talking about how shitty top rank is. Yeah. And I, and I think that the UFC fans are. I think Angela got taken up by that fireworks. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. I was on mute. I think. Oh. Um, 
the UFC's branding and their fan base is pretty loyal. And so I don't think that Dana White coming out in a press conference and slandering top rank, deserve it or not, helps them at all. Because I think that the fans of the UFC are more likely to um, to listen to what Dana White is rather than get be interested and top rank gain some notoriety from it, which is what I if it's planned would be the 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 logic that if Dana were to talk trash on it, then people would be more interested and just check it out and see what's going on. By the way, if they do check it, check it out, and I, I've said this before, and I've been proven right by studies, that there's not that much crossover between UFC fans and boxing fans. There really isn't. And there sure as hell is very <laughs> Don't get small. Fred started on that topic. There's very sm- Wait, small amount of crossover between people who are watching UFC and people who'd be interested in club-level boxing. Or I don't know, maybe but, there would be, because it's very similar. Now, it's just remember, as bad. But remember now, UFC started signing up boxing content for their fight pass. So maybe this is a weird thing where, yeah, where Dana's trying to slam top rank because he wants to get rid of them, which, you know, isn't going to happen. But he wants to shit on them because they got their own boxing content on the fight pass. You know, that, that's another weird thing with that fight pass still exists, even though ESPN's paying UFC a shitload of money. You know, it's just, a, but yeah, because they got those Roy Joe's Jr. fights. They got the uh, Kung Fu movies. Lou DiBella, Kung, Kung Fu, Fu movies. movies. Yeah, Kung Fu movies. Yeah. And Who thought that USC was a fight good pass? idea? They're like, oh, our, our <laughs> plan for people still having content on this is we'll we're just get a bunch of bad old, Kung Fu old, movies. Yeah, we're going to give you the shitty ones that can't even get to Netflix. You know, so. Not even on like you know they on if you like go on Roku there's like all these channels that you could like subscribe to and they're yeah. like all specific to certain genres. These are the movies that don't even make it to that. These are the movies yeah. that are that are just uploaded on YouTube and nobody cares to remove them. Yeah, like I love me some Shaw Brothers. There's a lot of shitty ones in the genre, and that's probably what. Yeah, it just so I don't know. Maybe like I said, I I only said that it it seems so stupid. That it almost you could almost believe it was a, a gimmick, but these guys again just they're just a bunch of assholes that hate each other. So I think that's I think that's all it is. Well, that's it for this week. Unless you guys have something else here to say. No, I just want to give a shout out to you for keeping the flame going. I haven't been on in ages. Also, shout out to Lex. It's been good uh, listening to the episodes he's been on as well. Um, yeah, and hopefully we'll make this. You know. <laughs> I thought we would have nothing to Lex. talk about with like no good boxing and uh sorry, what did you say? We had somebody complain about Lex. They said that he was he's was too vanilla on his top rank takes. I think they were looking for more criticism, uh which I thought was weird because like we did criticize top rank. Um and this was even before I'd come to grips with like what top rank really was trying to do with this series. And uh, I thought that was weird. Lex's Lex's his takes were good, I think. And and he, the thing about I like about Lex is like he tries to find some other angles to talk about with things, even when we're going inquisitive guy that Lex. Anyway, um, yeah, appreciate it, Tom. We've for those of you who don't know, we've done I've still kept up, done quite a few podcasts over on our Patreon feed. You can get access to that. 
for just $1 and you get into the chat and uh, I mean, that's like worth a lot more than just $1, but you know, $1 get the chat, then you get all the podcasts and stuff, you know, if you need more boxing content and um, you don't like listening to shows where they do the 1920s newsboy voice. <laughs> So big nose here at MSG. <laughs> I, I, you, yeah, that was actually really good. Can, can you can you preview uh, top ranks fights this week in that voice? <laughs> no, I, I need actually the return I of the Maloney brothers. Just say it. I'd need the text. <laughs> just just Don't say miss this... top rank. The Maloney brothers making their debut in US. <laughs> uh, someone's gonna be offended by that, but you know what? <laughs> That's okay. Yeah, some old 1930s radio guy is going to kick her ass. Yeah. You know, it's funny. Um, to- this is totally off topic. But there's a, a, a radio station, 88.1 here in um, LA, which does, uh, it's a jazz station. And, like, if you tune in at, like, 4 a.m., at least at some point in the past, if you had tuned in at, like, 4 or 5 a.m., they, they would do, like, 40s 30s sort of benny goodman type of of jazz music although i guess at that point that was pop music or something i don't know and but the the funniest thing was that the the dj at the time would do it in the 20s and 30s newsboy voice (laughs) and so like that part i used to listen to it just because i thought it was hilarious and i like the first time i listened to it I thought that they were just playing a recording, like they somehow found like a four-hour block from 1931 that they had recorded yeah. and just were playing it on the air because the dude was so good. He had the little crackles and stuff. It 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 felt like I had just wound up my car's radio and then let it play. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, yeah, to talk like that because of the way it, uh, they could only transmit and broadcast at certain frequencies. All right. Cool. Nobody cares. Or you know, that is irrelevant right information there. in 2020. <laughs> Come on, this is history. Uh, I'm gonna start talking brother. Like that. All See, right. If you guys wouldn't have hated on my audio setup, I could have had that setup. But no, that 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 setup would have been better <laughs> than anything you had. To when we tried to started trying to record, Fred was out here trying to record like he was trying to do an e- episode of the X Files or something. You guys didn't like it. I thought it sounded great. This guy is trying to pull a reverb and. This dude had the the wah-wah pedal going on his voice. It was ridiculous. <laughs> um, anyway, thank you for listening. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. We will be back next week. Of course, throughout the week, there will be Patreon episodes, immediate recaps. Uh, well, not so immediate, like within a few-hour recap of the top-ranked cards, discussing what we saw, what we liked, what we didn't like, etc., etc. Uh, so we will be back next week. Talk to you later, guys. <laughs>